Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Betty, 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 Betty. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. So no, I'm not taking it. Listen, I am more than happy to be the butt of a joke or to be self-deprecating. I think everybody knows that. They've been listening for 10 years, okay? Not on this one, because I am not taking an L on this, okay? So no, that's, yeah, no, this one, I'm not taking this L, okay? <laughs> Rich Crage. Joe, are you ready for Roadblock End of the Line? Roadblock End of the Line. 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 Roadblock End of the Line seems to have some buzz. There's a lot of buzz from Roadblock End of the Line. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? How are you? Decided to come back to I work. I decided finally. to come back to work. Yeah, he already made that uh, that slight towards me at uh, on, on our Instant Reaction Live for AEW Russell Dream. And now I officially, officially came back to work here with the, uh, the flagship this week. So glad to be back. Glad to be back. No, I'm setting it up for you to plug the Instant Reaction Live. Absolutely. Or- Great. Great Instant Reaction Live of AEW Russell Dream. Back in the good old days. Remember when AEW was good four days ago? Uh, that was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, no, that, that uh, Instant Reaction Live we did uh, immediately after AEW Russell Dream. So if you are uh, listening to this show thinking, oh man, I, I can't wait to see what those guys think about AEW Russell Dream. Well, we already did that for about two and a half hours or so. Very long, uh, as usual, uh, Instant Reaction Live done. Uh, on Sunday uh, after the show. So you can listen to that on our $10 tier over at uh, flagshippatreon.com is where you can get all that. And uh, Patreon rolled out a new uh, new layout and stuff too. So looking all spiffy. It's got a weird logo now, but hey, you know what? Otherwise, it looks pretty good. Yeah, and they, they've they've got some new features. I know this is going to sound like a commercial, but I really didn't plan on talking about this. <laughs> right but... out of the gates too. <laughs> but but yeah. why not? Hey, we're here. Why not? Fuck it. Let's do it live. They added that, what is it called, Collections? Collections, yeah, yeah, great new feature. All right, so it's never been easier to specifically find the shit, you know, the content that you're looking for instead of trying to hunt down tags or or or, or scroll through all of the posts. If you want to, say, just go back and find an old TV review or you want to just start listening to November to Remember or or do one of the series or find all of the uh deep dives that we've done it's never been easier because if you go on the front page now and i think they've really set this up very nicely mm-hmm. especially on the app i oh, don't the know app about is, desktop. yeah the desktop is is not as obvious uh because you have a few yeah. other tabs there but man on the app it's like home and it's collections and it's like whoa all right that's perfect. Yeah. yeah and and rich put a lot of work into it he already set up um 
folders for basically you know most of the the the, the series that we've done uh, all the instant reaction lives and but anyway you just you find what you're looking for and you click it and it's all right there and it's all chronological and again you don't have to hunt hunt around for tags or if you want to find something and it's uh it's it's really useful and, you know especially if you just want to jump in and subscribe for a month or something because you want to listen to a series or go back and read some things or listen to some old shows uh they're super easy to find now with that especially on the app desktop mm-hmm. you still got to fumble around a little bit a little bit yeah but, it's uh, there there's there's a tab called collections it's just a little bit tougher to find and and what one of the oh it's right there i see it now yeah it's, it's right not on the bad front i mean it's yeah. not as obvious as on the app but but it's definitely there and i will say one thing that is awesome about that uh, is that you don't have to subscribe to look at the collections. You can just be, you can, you don't have to be a subscriber. You don't have to have ever been a subscriber to see what we have, which I think is a really, really cool feature. And I'm glad that they added that so that if you're like, yeah, you know what? I can't subscribe this month or, hey, you know, I fell off. I want to just see what these guys are up to. What have they posted lately? What are new series? All that sort of stuff. You're going to be able to go there and browse and say, all right, yeah, maybe there's something there that I like or whatever. But yeah, it doesn't force you to subscribe to figure out what new content we have or whatever, which was kind of the case before. Uh, whereas now you can just say, oh, you know what? Hey, they did this, they did that. Or you scroll and you find something. And you go, hey, this looks kind of cool. I want to listen to this series. Uh, it's Again, it's never been easier to find uh, these series on, on, on and any of the content we've done. Uh, over the many, many years now. Geez, we started this thing in, what, late 2018, I want to say? Maybe late... It couldn't have been late 2017. I, I have to go back. It's been quite a while that we've been doing it was, that. It was, so. it, was, uh, it was the end of 2017. End of 2017. Oof, boy. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm just looking at these collections you've put together. So, you know, it's just... You don't realize how much content that we've produced. I mean, I'm not going to go through all of them, but for instance... There's 62 instant reaction lives. I would have never, I would have, I would have, I would have taken the under. I I would have done nothing. I've done 299 TV reviews and that's assuming you've, you've cold all of them. You know? Yeah. I may have missed a couple. I think I got them all, but yeah, I may, I may have possibly missed a couple. You know, 106 match of the weeks, 22 November to remembers. I know people think there should be a lot more by now. I'm getting to it. Right. Uh, There's uh, uh, this is crazy. 112 G1 reviews. 112 G1 reviews. Uh, so, you know, and they're all, everything is all, you know, the Kings of the Tokyo Dome, 24 episodes of that. Uh, you even put together all of the breaking news and everything. So everyone can go back and see all of my lucky guessing that, uh, that has come through over <laughs> the years. lands of fanfic that has come, <laughs> yeah. come true. Yeah. Uh, 28 Observer Hall of Fame shows with all of those guests that we've had on over the years, 35 overruns to this, uh, to this flagship podcast. So uh, that, and just, there's just dozens and dozens of uh, different series and collections on there that like you're saying, people can look at for free. They, they, you know, you don't have to be a subscriber to, to, to browse through and look at all that. And um, you know, I think that's, I think it's one of the best features they've ever rolled out because, you know, I think it makes it a lot easier for people to commit people who don't want to stay subscribed but they're interested in something, but it's like intimidating because we have thousands of posts. So now it's like, oh, all right, I really like this match of the week gimmick they do. I want to read all of them, but uh, then I got to hunt for them all. No, now they're right there in mm-hmm. a folder on the front page. And you can subscribe for a month and read all the match of the week write-ups and or whatever it is that you want to consume content-wise and then bounce and get out. So um, that's something that I think uh, everybody should check out if they've been on the fence or if they're an in-and-out subscriber. Um it's a really good new feature. I really, I promise to God, I wasn't planning on doing this commercial in the first five minutes of the show. It just it uh, came up organically with the uh, instant reaction live to the uh, Wrestle Dream show. 
But uh, that is up there, as well as all those other things. So, yeah, sorry for the uh, the, the commercial to start the show, but uh, flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voice the rest. Well, when's the Party. next AEW pay-per-view? When, when's the this ne- full, full gear, gear Full gear. That is going to be November, what is that, November 16? What is that? Uh, November 18, November 18, November 18. All right. All right, so next next month. So I know a lot of people like to come in for the instant reaction lives. So that look, these AEW pay per views they come fast and furious now. So you may as well just stay subscribed. So uh, and you know who knows when else we're gonna pop in with something. But uh, there you go, an ad right off the bat. <laughs> right, you probably got a pre roll ad too that was inserted by our podcast provider. That's right. Uh, yeah, then you get a, us playing a minute and thirty second intro. And then me asking how you're doing and then another five-minute ad. Uh, but if you're hanging around, hey, thank you. Uh, we appreciate you for uh, hanging around. And now we're going to talk about some uh, professional wrestling here. we got a lot to cover this week. Uh, a big, big week in wrestling uh, coming up. Uh, and, and, hey, this weekend, a ton of stuff. Next week, a ton of stuff. It never stops in the world of wrestling. It is always uh, uh, ongoing here. We have next week the AEW versus NXT uh, head-to-head Tuesday Night War, Super Tuesday, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we'll talk about the lineups thus far and what's been announced for NXT, what's been announced for AEW, what they're countering with uh, with their title Tuesday, uh, as well as some big-picture uh, thoughts about AEW after a very, very uh, – <laughs> uh, momentous, uh, 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 noteworthy, I don't know what you want to call this week's episode of Dynamite, but uh, one that we definitely have to talk about. I know that you obviously did the Thursday TV reviews, uh, Thursday Dynamite reviews on our Patreon, but I got I have some thoughts about this week's TV as well, so uh, I got I to gotta butt in there for a little bit. So we'll do that. NXT No Mercy, they had a uh, premium live event, uh, No Mercy, on Saturday, so we'll talk about that show that we watched. Uh, Roadblock, End of the Line, another PLE from the World Wrestling Entertainment Company. Uh, We'll talk about that show coming up this weekend. Uh, New Japan has a destruction show in Sumo Hall this weekend, big-time show. Sonata versus Evil on top, but uh, some other uh, pretty interesting stuff uh, throughout the card, so we'll touch on that. Uh, And then if we get some time, uh, Impact, Spawn for Glory, which is not for another weekend, uh, but I think they have a very interesting uh, pay-per-view line up and some pretty interesting matches announced thus far uh, for that show, which I am planning on attending. So uh, if we get time, we'll do that. If not, we can just wait till next week. Uh, but uh, I had an idea just to, you know, give a little bit of credit to Impact for, I think, booking a very, very interesting uh, Bound for Glory show and uh, maybe some other stuff as well. I know I've, I've watched some CMLL as of late. I caught up a little bit on that. I watched the Stardom Grand Prix, uh, uh, five-star Grand Prix finals as well. So maybe we'll get to a little bit of that stuff uh, if we have time. But let's start the show off with uh, a wrestling death that we touched on a little bit during Instant Reaction Live, but I think we have a little bit more thoughts uh, about it, and it's probably a better platform to do it here on the flagship as opposed to on the you know AEW Wrestle Dream Instant Reaction Live. Uh, but that's Russ Francis, who passed away on Sunday, correct? He, he, he passed away uh, before he went live on uh, the Instant Reaction Live, uh, passed away from a, a, a plane crash. Uh, a guy who has more of an NFL history than a wrestling history, but does have an extensive wrestling history as well. And we, again, touched a little bit on it during the uh, Instant Reaction Live, but I think we wanted to give some bigger thoughts uh, about uh, Ed Francis. And then, you know, just in, maybe in general, the NWA uh, Hawaii territory or, you know, 50th state, uh, big-time wrestling or whatever name you know it by uh, had a pretty – I think it's been kind of lost to time a little bit, and I, and I think we're going to try to maybe correct that a little bit here, but uh, was an immensely, immensely important – uh, territory for a number of years, decades, in, in fact, uh, NWA Hawaii, big time wrestling, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, any, anything else on on, on Russ Francis uh, you want to touch on before we uh, get to our other kind of more current topics right now? I'm just not sure. I mean, Russ Francis is obviously way more famous for being an NFL player and an all uh, a, a Pro Bowl tight end. 
for the New England Patriots and later San Francisco 49ers. Won a Super Bowl on the 84 San Francisco 49er team where he was the starting tight end. He just missed winning three other Super Bowls because he was with the Patriots from 75 to 80. And then he had a uh, he got into a contract dispute with the Patriots and and he quit football for the 81 season and got talked back into coming back to into the NFL by Bill Walsh, who was the head coach of the 49ers at the time. And the 49ers traded for his rights and he sat out the 81 season and he came back in 82. The 49ers won the Super Bowl in 81. So he just missed out on winning the Super Bowl in 81. He was on the team that won it in 84. And then he got traded at the tail end of the 1987 season back to the Patriots. And then the 49ers won Super Bowls in 88 and 89. Yeah. Damn. So it's kind of like the Don Mattingly effect, yeah. right? Like, like Don, the year before he gets there, the, the Yankees are, you know, and then the year after he leaves, they finally win the World Series. <laughs> right. Yeah, ninety six, they or ninety six, they finally do it. There's yeah. a lot of players like that, you yeah. know. And it's like, but, but Francis at least had what he got one in '84, and was part of those great Forty Nine er teams with uh, Joe Montana, and then uh, of course, uh, you know, later on, I think he played with Jerry Rice in the back end of his Forty Nine er tenure, and 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 uh, and did win the Super Bowl in in 84 but he and, and he was a pro bowl level he was he was a great tight end i mean you know he was he was known as one of the better tight ends in the league uh especially his years with with the patriots in 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 the in the late 70s but you know he also had a pro wrestling career and i think for a lot of people they might only know him from the wrestlemania 2 battle royal which there's an easy explanation for that he you know he predominantly wrestled in hawaii for his father ed francis and there's really not a ton of Hawaii footage floating around out there, you know, and a lot of the Hawaii footage that is out uh, is footage from later on when the Mayavea is on the territory. It's not necessarily the footage when Ed Francis and Lord James Blears own the territory. And, you know, Russ Francis did wrestle in some other places, uh, the AWA. He would wrestle during the offseason, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like the NFL players from a, from the generation before him, whether it was Leo Namalini or, you know, you go right down the line, uh, Ernie Ladd, you know, guys that would be professional football Brock players. During the fall. Oh, yeah, if you want to go back, yeah, to, to like the 20s and 30s. Yeah, you know, so, and that kind of slowed down, but, you know, as 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 he got into the, to the 80s, when the money got bigger, as the money got bigger in pro football, less pro football players felt compelled to do pro wrestling right, in the offseason. Right, right. Or you know? or it or it's, we're told not to, you know, even if they even if they wanted right. to, I'm sure yeah, we're paying you x amount of money not to go or get her playing pro uh, doing pro wrestling. No, you're 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 our property and no, offseason you're going to chill or you're going to come to practice, you're going to do that sort of stuff. But yeah, 60s, 70s, 50s, 40, I mean that a whole different animal for for professional football at that time. Yeah, so it was either go sell cars or uh, sell vacuums door to door or go do pro wrestling during the offseason to make ends meet cuz the just the money wasn't great. But he was one of the last generation of guys who would wrestle during the football off seasons. And, you know, so he'd pop in to his father's territory or the AWA or St. Louis or Portland. Those are, those are predominantly the places that he worked and, um, and would wrestle during the off seasons, you know, for his dad and his, his brother was a full-time wrestler in the Hawaii territory, uh, Bill Francis and Ed Francis, Ed Francis actually, 
uh, bought the territory in, I want to say, 1961. Let me, from... I'm, I'm actually looking at the page now. So give me <clears throat> one minute. To, uh, 61, exactly. You're, you're on it. Yeah. So Ed Francis, uh, along with Lord James Blears, his, his business partner, they bought the rights to the Hawaii territory from Al Karasik, who, you know, and who had the rights to the territory. Francis was a wrestler. He he wrestled for Karasik, but Francis and Blears bought the rights from Karasik and became the NWA promoters in Hawaii in 1961. And that would have been when Russ and Billy Francis were were children, right? Because Russ Brand- Russ Francis was born in 1953. Yeah, so they yes, still would yeah, have yeah. been very very young. young children at that point, uh, growing up in Hawaii. My, then, my favorite, was, real, real, not to butt in real quick, but uh, Karasik. My favorite story about him. Uh, I'm actually going back and reading uh, Tim Hornbaker's great book about the uh, National Wrestling Alliance. I was doing that yeah. on my vacation because that's what I do on vacations is listen, is read very lengthy books about the history of the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, and it came up, uh, uh, Karasik and, and Ed Francis. And before Karasik sold the uh, territory to uh, gentleman Ed Francis, Karasik was lobbying Sam Muchnick, who at that point was the NWA president, to have Japan be his territory because he was running in Hawaii. And they were like, yeah. uh... <laughs> No, the entire nation of Japan. <laughs> right, since well, I'm yes. pretty close, so I might as well get Japan as my territory. And they were like, right. nah, no, 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 no. You could have Hawaii. That's more. That's more than enough, sir. You don't need to get all of another country and half of an ocean or whatever. No, we're not going to give you all of Japan too. So uh, I enjoyed that. But uh, that that was the popular spot for many many years for guys traveling to and from uh, Japan. Was you know pop on over to Hawaii, do a couple shots there, or. Hell, you just want to go to Hawaii, so you fucking get booked in Hawaii for a run for a couple of months or whatever. Luthez very famously would just take Hawaiian vacations and go wrestle and make a ton of money. Can't can't Dick beat Bockwinkle that. Winkle would do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of guys they use it as the working Why would vacation. You? <laughs> of course. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a very unique territory in that way because you know they had their crew of locals, of course, but they always had the ability to have big stars come in because, again, like you just said. Why wouldn't you want to go hang out in Hawaii for a couple of weeks with your family and then make a couple bucks to pay for the vacation while you're there, you know? And um and 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 like you also mentioned, it you know, going back and forth from Japan, the guys that were getting booked in Japan, they'd stop over in Hawaii, they they'd work a date, work a big main event, then go to Japan, then on the way back, stop back in Hawaii again, work another big date, you know? And uh so it was a very unique territory in from that standpoint. And also over the years they had all of the different world champions come in. I know in the early years, they used Fred Blassie a lot, who was the Los Angeles version of the world champion who would come in and, and uh, you know, the, the easy flight from L.A., the old WWA promotion or whatever it was called in L.A. at the time. And then obviously the NWA, they were NWA affiliated. And then later on, they did a lot of business with Vern Gagne and Nick Bockwinkle would come in all the time and defend the AWA world title in Hawaii. So it was a very unique territory from that standpoint and what was also interesting is almost immediately they found themselves in a promotional war because in 62 or 63 the uh because because francis francis ran his territory his big building was the civic auditorium and they ran weekly and that building held four or five thousand fans and they ran weekly shows at the civic auditorium and that's also you know where they would tape their tv and then the bigger Honolulu International Center opened in 63 or 64, the HIC. And that was a much bigger building. It held almost 9,000 fans. 
So it was owned by the city of Honolulu and they weren't respecting any of the old rules, this, the, the city of Honolulu for this new building. So Francis couldn't get in the building, but Dallas Western of the Aloha promotions, he cut a deal with the city of Honolulu to run monthly shows at the HIC. And now there was a, and now uh, at that point, Francis found himself in a promotional war because this guy was flying in Aloha promotions was flying in all these huge stars for these big monthly shows at the, uh, at the HIC and they had the bigger building. So they would, and what it actually did is it's, is it actually sparked business and it created kind of a mini boom in Hawaii with both of the groups having TV and competing against each other and both of the promotions bringing in all these huge stars from the mainland United States and they were running head to head often on the same night. And, you know, a good example of that was on July 28, 64, they, the, uh, the competing promotion filled up the HIC with 8,700 fans and Francis filled up his building with 5,300 fans. And then the ne- he ran back to back and then he ran, and then Francis ran the next night as well. And it had to sell out the next night too. So the promotional war almost was a good thing at the start because it really created sort of a, a a wrestling boom for a couple of months there in Hawaii. And, uh, but, you know, as, as these things go, you know, eventually it, it starts to wear down and, and it's just, it's unsustainable to have two major territories running in such a small state. Yeah. So uh, Francis actually lucked out though, because in early 1965, the new promotion got into some trouble they had some lawsuits and there was some funny money with the payments to the talent agency he was using to fly in the wrestlers and um, the lawsuits combined with the cost of having to fly in these big stars to compete with Ed Francis promotion they folded so uh, they only lasted about a year or so and then Ed Francis was able to get into the HIC with these guys out of the picture so then what he was doing from there is he was running his regular weekly shows at the Civic and then building to the much bigger monthly shows at the HIC, which had now been established by the previous promoter. But now Francis was able to get in the building when those guys folded. So his first card in the bigger building, he brought in Giant Baba. And the main event was Giant Baba versus uh, Curtis Iokea. And you know, he brought in uh, Fred Blassie, who I just mentioned him, Leo Namalini. It was Fred Blassie versus Leo Namalini on that show. And that was uh, Ed Francis' first big monthly card at the, uh, at the HIC. So he would run his regular weekly shows at, at the Civic. And, and they had a whole loop, too. It wasn't just, you know, they ran shows at, at Pearl Harbor and some of the other Army bases as well. So you'd run weekly at the Civic. I forget which day of the week it was, uh, maybe Saturdays. And then they would, uh, you know, they'd have a, a loop on some of the other islands as well. And now with that other promotion out of the way, they were running the big monthly shows with all the huge stars uh, once a month at the uh, at the HIC. But that went on for a couple of years where they were running it that way. And uh, uh, I guess from there, it was uh, what happened was the the what changed things was the Civic Arena was being closed down because it was sold to a bank. And I I think they wanted to rip it down and build a bank building on the property or something like that. 
So they no longer had the weekly shows at the Civic. That was probably in, I'm trying to look it up frantically. It was probably in 71 or 72 when they lost the weekly shows at the Civic Auditorium. Yeah, 1972 is when the the last card at the Civic Auditorium, March of 72. So the territory kind of slowed to a crawl because without the weekly shows, Francis couldn't really afford to keep that crew of regulars and give them regular work, right? So what he was doing was just running monthly at the HIC with all of the big stars, but see the weekly shows and the weekly loop is what was financially supporting bringing in the bigger stars for the show. Yeah. So it really slowed to a crawl. And by 74, Francis basically stopped promoting, you know, he just, he just, he, he gave it up because it wasn't, it was no longer financially viable to attempt to run these huge monthly shows because you needed the big stars to fill a building of that size, but uh, he couldn't afford, you know, those aren't cheap flights. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, so, and, and the HIC, the problem too was the big building. They didn't want wrestling there weekly. They would only allow the wrestling show to come in once a month. So that wasn't really an option. So things really slowed to a crawl. And I think Blears may have kept promoting shows sporadically at the HIC, but Francis was out. He was like, this is no longer a sustainable business. And he stopped promoting shows uh, for a number of years. He brought it back, the weekly format in the, the, and this is where Russ Francis comes in. So around 77, I think it was 77, they bring back the, the uh, weekly wrestling at the Block Arena in, uh, that was, uh, I believe, in Pearl Harbor, the Block Arena. And then continuing the the monthly cards at the HIC. So it t- took them a couple of years, I guess, to find another place to run the uh, weekly shows. And the Block Arena at, at one point had been one of the you know regular stops on the loop. But, uh, but Ed Francis got back in the game in 77 with a huge card at the, uh, at the HIC, you know, big time wrestling returns. And, and, and if you look at the poster, it he billed Andre, the giant making his first ever appearance in Hawaii, which obviously was a big deal. The number two person bill, the, the number, no, the second billing on that poster, Russ Francis tight end of the new England Patriots, because this was in 1977, right in the middle of Russ Francis best run in the NFL. So, uh, you know, his son who had been a part-timer, but now was a big NFL star. Here we are, uh, you know, Bill, uh, uh, Ed Francis coming back to promote pro wrestling. First big show in three years and the biggest building in the state. And who's he who's he putting on the poster? Andre the Giant and Russ Francis. And Russ Francis, yeah. And and uh, uh, note there, Billy White Wolf uh, listed as well, a guy we talked about a couple weeks ago. She got on Al Casey. I'm looking at the no. I just linked in, in the in the chat room as well for anybody who's listening live. Uh, you got the poster yeah. sent to you as well. So you got Andre holding all the women to <laughs> that very iconic photo uh, of Andre the Giant, the eighth wonder in the world, and his first appearance in Hawaii. Six big matches plus a Texas Battle Royal. And then, like you said, right underneath Andre the Giant is Russ Francis, tight end of the New England Patriots. Yeah, they brought Giant Baba in for that show, Gene Kaniski. I love I love uh, listing the weights and then saying nearly 5,000 pounds in the ring. It's all about the weights, the girth of these men. <laughs> Come watch these girthy men wrestle. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and that's when uh you know Russ Francis really won I think the only title of his pro wrestling career because he won the tag team titles with his brother Bill. 
with Bill Francis in 1978 during sort of that, what I guess you would call it the second run of Ed Francis running wrestling in Hawaii, which only lasted a couple of years because, you know, by 1979, uh, things were starting to change and he saw the writing on the wall and he sold his portion of the territory to uh, Steve Ricard, Steve Ricard the NWA yeah. promoter in New Zealand, who, I mean, this is 1979. I'm still talking about Steve Ricard on November to remember in 1993. He was still on the NWA board then. I mean, that guy oh, was yeah. one of the last he, holdouts. Yeah, oh, we talked about him in the deep dive, talking about the NWA thing, where like they still were. Yeah. At, that guy was still being counted on for votes, and he was, you know, not able to get over to America to do votes that often anymore, uh, and whatnot. But yeah, he he lasted forever, and we've talked about him a lot during uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame season. You talked about that a little bit earlier in the show, uh, Hall of Fame season. We always talked about Steve Ricard because he's a guy who had was just around forever. So it's like, well, you gotta. You got to give the guy some credit for like, like similar to you, you know other guys who just outlasted everybody and just hung around for as long as possible. It's like I don't know if they have Hall of Fame cases necessarily, but there's got to be something too. Just hanging around when everybody else died, everybody else went away, everybody else packed in or sold out or whatever, and this guy's still going strong into the you know in, into the mid '90s. I just don't think that um, the Block Arena era was the same as the Civic Auditorium era, and and. Francis didn't hold on much longer after that. And he just gave up the ghost and he sold it to Ricard. And a lot of people think they remember it as him selling it directly to the Mayaveas, but that wasn't the case. No. He sold it to Ricard first. Now Ricard kept Lord James Blears around as the booker. And I guess I assume he was still a business partner as well. And, um, you know, and then he stuck, he, he ran it for about a year and then he sold it to Peter Mayavea. And then Peter Maivea took it over and changed the name and then it became Polynesian Pro and all that. Or it may have become Polynesian Pro later because Peter Maivea died a couple years later of cancer. And then as most people probably you know, know that Leah Maivea, his wife, the Rock's grandmother, took it over and she ran it you know, until the end of the 80s when you, know, you just had to shut it down because by 1989, you know, forget it. You couldn't really run a territory anymore. So, But she ran it from 82 to 89 and by that point, it absolutely, you know, it was no longer an NWA territory. It was called Polynesian Pro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it, a lot of the footage that you'll find out there is from that era of Hawaii. Wrestling. Right, right. If, not, if you look up Hawaii wrestling or whatever, you'll get a lot of Polynesian Pro. You get a little bit. There's a very little amount of that, like, you know, true NWA Hollywood out there. I know I was trying to look over the weekend and it was very hard to find uh, really anything uh, from them. But um, yeah, the, you're, gonna this, have a, you're still going to get a lot of the same. You're going to get a lot of Ripper Collins. You know, you're going to get a lot, a lot of the same guys who worked for, for Francis, you know, a lot of the people who, a lot of guys who lived in Hawaii, of course, you know, and you're going to get early Don Morocco. Don Morocco, by the way, went to high school with, with Russ and Bill Francis. That's a so, hell of a high school, man. That's <laughs> some girth in that high school. Let me tell you that. Yeah, so they knew Don Morocco as, as kids and grew up with Don Morocco. And then Don Morocco ended up getting into pro wrestling as well. Um, there's a lot of Ricky and Rocky Johnson. Yes. You know, yeah. Rocky well, Johnson. Most of what I've been able to find or what I've been watching, there, there's a video that's up on YouTube. It's about three hours and it's called the best of NWA Hollywood or uh, NWA Hawaii. And there's a lot of Rocky Johnson on there. 
Uh, I know there's some Bruiser Brody as well that, that that I'm actually watching as as we speak on the TV next to me. So uh, the McGuire twins are there a couple times as well, you know, in in this video. But yeah, it's a three hour long video. That might be honestly it. That might be all of it because every other video that I've seen is all Polynesian Pro. Uh, so that might be it. You maybe you can find some other stuff if you're if you're bouncing around, but it's very 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 small amount uh, of tape that's well, out there. I was looking for Russ and Bill Francis stuff this week and a lot of it is just like reels like ripped off of like eight millimeter reels or whatever yeah it's, it's when you're when you're going there it's and, yeah it's not great yeah you're not getting a you know and it's that. it's you know you're not getting full matches or anything like that and it's just uh you know, and, uh, you know all, all that stuff was on tv throughout the 60s and 70s but you know it's like a lot of other territories the original tapes are probably long gone or they taped over them or plus it's hawaii and it, it you know it's it's you know, I, I don't, it, there's probably some barriers there. So I don't know. A lot of the stuff from the Francis era is just, uh, it's very, very, very hard to find. But as far as Russ Francis goes, he won the tag team titles with his brother in 1978, sort of at the end of his uh, uh, father's run, running the territory. But he would come to the United States all through the mid 70s during the off seasons to wrestle for the AWA, St. Louis. Uh, Portland was a big stop. Plus he went, plus Russ Francis went to college in Oregon. So, uh, there were connections there as well. You know, he, he would get booked in Portland just based on the fact that he was a college football player in Oregon and, and trying to capitalize off of, um, whatever that fame was worth at the time. Um, you know, and, and it's, and then he didn't wrestle for a long time until the WrestleMania two battle Royal in 86. But, you know, I heard Dave Meltzer saying that, you know, Sam Mushnick once once told him in the 70s that if he would, if, if, when he was ready to go pro wrestling full time, that he was someone who he thought could be an NWA world champion because he was six foot five. He was super athletic. He was handsome. He was a good enough wrestler. And if he devoted himself full time to pro wrestling, he was a potential NWA world champion. And it's just, it's tricky because it's hard to find footage of him when he was in his 20s, you know, and, and so it's hard to really quantify. But if Sam Mushnick thought he, you know, was that good, then, I, you know, and, and he was the guy pulling all the strings during that era, then you have to assume that it was, that, that there was some truth to it. But um, he'd go to Minnesota in the off seasons and wrestle for Vern Gagne. And then, of course, you know, after taking all that time off as, we got into the eighties and it was no longer viable to wrestle in the off season. He didn't wrestle for a long time, especially with his father out of the game in Hawaii. And I think Bill Francis retired too uh, briefly, or at least for a few years uh, when his father got out of the wrestling business. And, and then he, Bill Francis came back though in the late eighties to work, for the AWA, uh, no, for, he he worked in Portland. Bill yeah, Francis. yeah. Ru Russ was Russ was a lot of AWA. In fact, I just watched a Bill Francis match today against Beetlejuice Art Bar. <laughs> wow! On from from Portland TV in 1990 with Scotty the Body on commentary. Uh, uh, you know Scott Levy, aka Raven. And was he, he 14 so when good. he was doing commentary for that show? Jesus Christ, how young was he? No, 1990. Oh, 1990. Okay, well, still pretty damn young at that point, but yeah, maybe not 14. Who for Raven? Uh, Raven, yeah. He would yeah, have been yeah. in his early 20s yeah, or something yeah. like that, yeah. But I mean, um, yeah, because he was in WCW by 91. Right, right, right. So uh, as Scotty Flamingo, which was the same gimmick as Scotty the Body, you know, they just gave him the Scotty Flamingo name. But um, but Bill Francis by then was, was, was very clearly older. You know, he had a big bald spot on the back of his head that, that uh, leave that uh, Sky the body was making fun of, and 
and um, went to a time limit draw with Beetlejuice. It was a really <laughs> weird match. <laughs> but uh, but in the dying days of Portland, you know, Portland probably Bill, Bill saw that guy, that little art bar standing next to him and was like, I ain't jobbing to this motherfucker. Get out of here. Listen, <laughs> this match is on YouTube. You should see the size difference. Bill Francis is like the, the size of his brother. He's like six. Yeah, six, right. You know, this art big... bar is famously not six, six. And... Yeah. <laughs> This this big hulking, you know, six five two forty is what Bill Francis <laughs> right. is listed at, you know, and he was a football player too. I don't think he played in the NFL, but you know, he, he you know, so uh, he at least tried to make a go of it uh, after sitting out a bunch of years and and returned to Portland, where of course he wrestled a bunch in Portland too throughout the seventies, um, you know, just like his brother, except he was full time, so he would often come to the continental U.S. And work some of the the West Coast territories and and the AWA and places like that. I'm looking at the Bill Francis cage match right now. He even has an All Japan tour on his resume, which I didn't know about until right this second. So um, it looks like he went to All Japan in 1975. And man, he worked with Baba and the Destroyer and Jumbo. Jeez, I mean, I'm looking at these results. He didn't win many matches, but he worked with the top guys. So I guess that's out of respect to his father that uh, they brought in his kid and 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 booked him on top. Nearly every match is against like Giant Baba and the Destroyer. So um, good for Bill Francis, I guess. But yeah, his career petered out pretty much as the territory petered out. You know, one thing I was thinking about about the Francis family in you know reading up a lot this week and 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 really thinking about them. They might be one of the most stable wrestling families that you can that, that you can think of because Ed Francis had seven kids and only two of them became pro wrestlers. That number one is really bucking the odds because whenever these guys, these pro wrestlers have a bunch of kids, every one of them want to be pro wrestlers. Right. Right. He kept five of his kids out of the pro wrestling business <laughs> right. entirely. Which is something to be said for that. Especially then, when they probably had some size to him. I, I'm guessing that it wasn't just two of them that grew up and, and, and had any amount of size. I bet there's some other dudes in there. Right, that were 6'6". That, six, six. that were, yeah, 6'6", 6'5", 6'4", and said, ah, I'm going to go into banking instead. And the dad said, that's a good idea. You should go into banking. Go ahead, son. Go for it. Yeah. So not only did he keep five of his kids out of the pro wrestling business, um, he didn't he didn't overstay his welcome. Both times when he thought, Okay, the first time when he lost his building, he said, fuck this, I'm done. You know, he tried the monthly shows for a while, realized that wasn't sustainable, and he got the fuck out, right? Then he comes back in, tries it for another year and a half or so, and then says, you know what? This isn't the same as it was before. Fuck it. I'm wiping my hands clean. I'm selling this shit to Ricard, and I'm out. And he never came back. The guy never looked back, right? And then he got in the private business, and, you know, his kids all were very successful in whatever it is they did and got into private business. Russ Francis was very successful after pro wrestling, after pro football, uh, good head on his shoulders. This has to be one of the most stable and normal pro wrestling families that, that there was during that era. I can't think of another one because all the other ones are just, it's fucking Looney Tunes, these wrestling families. You know what I mean? So uh, from that standpoint, I think you got to give Ed Francis some credit unless there's some, deep dark secrets i'm not aware of and uh if ed francis is in fact canceled i'm sorry i didn't know about it so uh before we get the nasty uh messages and whatnot it just seems like by wrestling family standards that 
they were they were just shockingly normal. But uh, yeah, so WWF brings in Russ Francis for the WrestleMania two Battle Royal in uh, in Chicago, the Chicago portion of WrestleMania two, which of course was held across three cities. And the gimmick with the Chicago portion of the show was they had this battle royal with the NFL players, Ernie Holmes, Harvey Martin, um, uh, Jimbo Covert, William the Refrigerator Perry, Bill Freilich, I remember. Bill Freilich, yes, and Ed Too Tall Jones and Dick Buckus, who just passed away today. Yes, were the were the special guest referees, and they brought in Russ Francis because he was a real pro wrestler who knew what the fuck he was doing. And they figured he could help hold the thing all together. Right. And help train these guys and get them ready for the match and all those sorts of things. So, uh, you know, Russ Francis, he was basically the ringer. They brought him in to be a ringer and, you know, everybody remembers because the match was in Chicago and, and, you know, refrigerator Perry was the draw, right. Everyone remembers Big John Studd pulling Refrigerator Perry out of the ring. That's like the big high spot in the match that everybody remembers. But what a lot of people don't remember is Russ Francis was the last NFL player standing. I think he was in the final four or final five with Andre uh, and the Hart Foundation and, you know, whoever else was at, at the end of that match. But, uh, you know, Russ Francis acquitted himself pretty well for a guy who hadn't wrestled in a while. And he was kind of there to to, again, you know, make sure. Uh, you know, things didn't go completely off the rails with these totally inexperienced NFL players in the match. So uh, that's probably his, not probably, that is his most famous pro wrestling match, the WrestleMania two battle Royal. Right. The next but closest then, has to be super clash Two. I know he was on that show. Uh, yeah. It's him and uh, Snuka against the mercenary and the terrorist. <laughs> yes, there was a wrestler called the terrorist. No pretense well, there. Yeah, just that, literally the terrorist. That Who? was the mat. That was the match of the week I did this week. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Snuka. So what happened was coming off of WrestleMania two, uh, with all the publicity that that got and everything, Vern. Vern Gagne knew he was going to be doing this Super Class Two show in San Francisco. And Russ Francis was an active member of the 49ers at this time. So he brought Russ Francis back in the spring of 87, put him in a tag team with Jimmy Snuka, and built towards this superclass show that they were going to hold in San Francisco. I think he worked a previous San Francisco show for Vern, too, in a battle royal, which drew very well. And then Vern tried to go back to the well and build up to this superclass show with Russ Francis and Jimmy Snuka in the main event against the mercenary and the terrorist, which that was the main event locally for the local <laughs> fans because they were in San Francisco because that show had a Nick Bockwinkle AWA title match against Kurt Henning. In fact, that's a pretty famous match because that's the match where Kurt Henning finally won the AWA world title. Right, about a year or two too late, <laughs> about a year or two too late. But yeah, he did eventually win it. Yeah, with the controversial finish and everything. And but locally it was all right. Well, Russ Francis drew well in San Francisco for Vern before. And and by this point, like Roy Shire is long out of the pro wrestling business and Vern had taken over the San Francisco territory, so to speak. But this was very late in the game for the AWA and it was trying to go back to the well once too often. He paired Russ Francis with Jimmy Snuka, who was a huge star who he who came in after the run with the WWF, I guess Snooker would have left the WWF in 85. 
and you know Vern scooped him up. So I guess he figured oh, I'm going to try to pair, you know, the, whatever's left in in this in whatever I can left to squeeze out of Jimmy Snuka with this local NFL hero, put them in there in this tag match. Now the mercenary and the terrorist is interesting because the terrorist was a young Brian Knobs. Yes. This is Brian Knobs in his rookie year who had been doing TV jobs under the name Brian Knobs and had just started tagging with Jerry Sags as the Nasty Boys, but was doing double duty as this masked terrorist. I guess the idea was put him under a mask so people don't know he's the job guy that we have on TV. And I think his partner was supposed to be Colonel De Beers, who was Vern's top heel at the time. Believe it or not, youngsters, there was a time in pro wrestling where the AWA was pushing a white South African man whose gimmick was that he was pro-apartheid. Yes. That's right. In what year was that, Joe? 1987. (laughs) So uh, that was Colonel De Beers' whole shtick. He was like, uh, he was a racist guy from South Africa was his gimmick. Well, I mean, the Truth Commission uh, was kind of that as well, and that was in 1997, so it's not like we learned that much. (laughs) They they towed the line during the race wars of uh, the DOA, the white guys, versus the Los Periquas, the Puerto Rican guys, and then the Nation of Divination, the black guys. So, yeah, uh, that was 1997, so we we didn't learn that much over the next 10 years. No, and uh, Colonel De Beers... For whatever reason, I mean, if you watch the match, and I have it up as the match of the week. Uh, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> early in the match, they do mention that the mercenary is uh, taking the spot of Colonel De Beers, who was injured or something. Who knows what the – maybe he really was injured. Who knows? And the mercenary was billed as being from South Africa and being a stand-in for the absent Colonel De Beers. Rich, the weird thing about the mercenary – is it was Ron Fuller. Yeah, that guy didn't yes. talk because that man is not from South Africa if you hear Ron Fuller right. talk. So. That Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud. Yeah, yeah. That Ron Fuller that everybody, yes. The six foot ten, very distinctive <laughs> southern accent from Tennessee, brother of Rob Fuller, uh, Colonel, the brother of Colonel Rob Parker. That Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud, the promoter from Continental, Southeastern, whatever you want to call it. What I cannot figure out. Okay, obviously, Colonel De Beers unavailable for whatever reason, whether he was injured, booked somewhere else, missed a flight. I don't fucking know. It's 1987. Um, What on earth provoked Vern Gagne to book Ron Fuller on this show (laughs) under a mask? Now, look, I get it. Ron Fuller means absolutely nothing to the fans in San Francisco. Right. So I understand the idea of. You're not going to book Ron Fuller and then think he's going to mean anything. So it's no big deal putting him under the mask is what I'm getting at, right? But why Ron Fuller? He wasn't part of the crew. He wasn't working regularly in the AWA. He presumably didn't come cheap. I mean, it's Ron Fuller. I mean, he wasn't like a huge star, but you're going to pay Ron Fuller, fly him in from Tennessee, put him under a mask, team him with the terrorist, and have him work a 10-minute main event against Jimmy <laughs> Snooker and Russ Francis, it doesn't make any sense. Well, like, you, have an, you have an entire crew of guys. Like, throw someone else under the mask and have them do double duty. Like, you, you, does this – I cannot make the it's connection. It's wild. Of- yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And he never worked in Cal- – I, I checked to see if he ever popped up in California ever again after that or ever before that. Never. That was his one and only shot in California ever. Uh, I'm looking to his cage match now. I'm not sure the guy 
went past Tennessee might have been the farthest west he did. It's it's Alabama, it's Tennessee, it's and then all of a sudden there's boom California right in the middle of there. I'm looking, yeah, the Japan obviously you go you got a little bit of run in Japan or whatever, but as far as in America, yeah, it doesn't look like he got too far out of Knoxville and Louisville and 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 Florida and Alabama and that sort of stuff because. Yeah, when that's your territory and you're on Fuller, yeah, you're going to stay there. I I can't for the life of me figure out what the fuck Vern would a book the guy and then also book him under <laughs> the hood as the mercenary. But uh, hey, more power to him. Why Ron Fuller of all people? Did 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 Vern specifically want like a seven footer? Maybe he wanted a menacing gimmick? man to be the mercenary or whatever, and the only tall guy he could find was Ron. I because there were knows? there's so many other people you could have just put fucking plus it was like a full like the body wasn't visible under the like the costume like it was a full body costume a mask like i don't know grab someone from the undercard grab a local wrestler and pay him 50 bucks like why ron fuller (laughs) this is so perplexing to me he was doing yeah Vern was making a lot of horrible decisions at that point so uh it's possible this was yet another horrible decision that uh that that he made at this point listen i could totally see the tennessee stud talking his way into oh absolutely yeah of course get a flight out to california (laughs) booking and not be ron fuller that's perfect he's on a casual phone call with Vern one night just shooting the shit hey Vern, it's ron fuller how are you tonight you know (laughs) <laughs> and, and Vern's like, ah, I got this fucking card in San Francisco, and the beers can't make it. Well, what's the date? I could make that date. <laughs> well, I you? reckon you got yourself yeah. in a pickle. Yeah, that's right. Well, if you're looking for a mercenary, <laughs> sir, then I know just the guy. Me, the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller, right? Like, I can totally see that playing out that way, you know? But that's the only way I could see this playing out. And then Vern's like, oh, well, fuck it. I'll fly out Ron Fuller. <laughs> yeah, Ron why Fuller's not? the mercenary. You know, there's my answer to all my problems. I just don't get it. Like, look, I know cage match isn't always complete, but I searched high and low. This man, I, I don't know. He, I don't believe he was working AWA shots. Oh, no, no. This this, this is one of the only. So I'm, I'm looking on the Wrestling Classics uh, message board, uh, and people are talking about this, actually. It's called, what's uh, the thread if you want to look it up? Uh, I lost. It's, oh, Ron Fuller's One Night in the AWA. So they're trying to figure out what happened. And uh, this one guy mentions that I think Ron Fuller mentioned this on a podcast. He'd never been out to San Francisco and took the family out there for a vacation <laughs> and a wrestling super clash. So he's like, uh, honey, <laughs> I got good news for you and the kids. <laughs> so, so this was absolutely what I just said. Yeah, he called. This man, yeah, yeah, he was just he casually. Saw Vern, he saw that Vern booked the Cow Palace. Yep. Right. And he called up Vern and started dipping his toes around. Yeah, Vern, it's your old pal Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud. <laughs> right. You know, and he started some small talk, and you know, he and then he he found a way to finagle his way on the yeah, car. Yeah, so him and his kids yeah. could ride the trolley all around San Francisco for a weekend while Vern's he made. Like, ah, things aren't great, Ron. Ed can't make San Fran. Ed Wisnowski, you know, the old Colonel De Beers. <laughs> you know, I'm in a pickle here. Ah, well, you're in luck, sir, because I happen to be bringing the family to San Francisco on. May second, nineteen eighty seven, and I would, I would be, I'll be in the neighborhood. I'll be in the neighborhood. Unbelievable! It would yeah. be my honor, sir, yeah. to take the place of Ed in that big tag team match against the Superfly and Russ Francis. That's exactly what happened. Absolutely, he I finagled he it. Out. He was just gonna either he wasn't gonna go, uh, and and 
you know, Vern mentioned that and he was like, ah, kids, we're going to San Francisco and I'm going to get a vacation yeah. out of it. Or like you said, he, he was going to San Francisco and it just so happened to be, hey, I'm going to call Vern and get a, get a booking out of this thing. Like we talked about the NWA Hawaii, you know, get pay for your vacation. Go over there, make a cool thousand right. bucks or whatever, get paid, you know, cool couple hundred bucks, whatever it may be at that time. And then, yeah, you know, treat the kids to some uh, some clam shot out of a bread bowl and, and ride the trolleys all all weekend while dad goes and does a booking. So, yeah, why not? If you're looking for a South African mercenary, I'm your Huckleberry, sir. <laughs> no, it, modern wrestlers it, could never. You know what I mean? Modern could wrestlers never. could never finagle could a never. vacation booking like this. Never. Not a fucking chance. Just, just an amazing, amazing thing. And let me tell you something about the mercenary from South Africa in this match. Okay? Go watch it, Rich. This man takes one bump on a <laughs> oh, shoulder yeah, block. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not out there working. Are you kidding? And he tags out. Go get him, kid. Brian Knobs <laughs> right. works the rest of that match. <laughs> right. <laughs> takes the pin, takes that awful splash from Russ Francis at the end, and uh, and, and Brian Knobs uh, takes every other bump in that match. Young Brian Knobs as the terrorist. So uh, Ron Fuller, what a worker! I got to tell That's you. That's how it was done. Uh, That's how it was done, baby. Stuff. Now the show was a fucking bomb. Uh, Twenty eight hundred, according. Uh, <laughs> To, to what we've got so a far cry from the nine thousand they drew at russ francis the first time uh to my knowledge that's the last match russ francis ever worked now people are going to go watch that and they're going to be like this is the russ francis that that people are talking up as one of the great athletes of the era and and uh and sam mushnick thinks could have been an nwa world champion what you have to understand is this man was a is 1987 okay is the tail end of his nfl career he's got over a decade of nfl hits on the uh on, on the bump card uh, in the 80s, too. In... This is in the 80s, too, where you uh, didn't have quite the exact amount of, uh, you know, there's a lot of technology advances here for recovery and, and and yeah, not so much in the 1980s. Yeah, and I mean, and, and he didn't do much. I mean, they, they did, this was such a classic 1980s tag because Jimmy Snooker was the face in peril and the mercenary and the terrorist, mostly the terrorist, <laughs> just beat down Jimmy Snooker for the vast majority of this match, and they built to the hot tag. You know, they built to the hot tag. This was such an 80s match because the first five minutes, literally the first five minutes of this match is the mercenary and the terrorist stalling and refusing to get in the ring. So they did the old Larry Zabisco special where they burned four or five minutes without even touching, you know, <laughs> pointing at the ref, get him back in his non-South African accent. Get him back, referee. <laughs> right. I, the South African mercenary. <laughs> I, I will not enter that room. An Afrikaner from South Africa. Yeah, that's right. You better back him up, Mr. Referee. I'm not getting in that <laughs> ring until that wild man Jimmy Snooker is under control. Like that kind of deal. Yeah, you know? And they're pointing. They won't get in the ring. <laughs> and they're threatening to leave. At one point, they throw their hands, and they're just walking up the aisle. You know, classic 80s shit. And uh, something MJF will do on Dynamite next week, uh, without <laughs> right. a doubt. So so then, then uh, you know, and then finally, four or five minutes, they get in there, and Mercenary takes his one bump, tags out, and then it's just a long face in peril jimmy snooker and teasing that hot tag and uh man did that place did those 2800 people blow the roof off the cow palace when russ francis tagged in though okay so he comes in he cleans house and then uh they set up the terrorist he tags snooker back in uh snooker comes off the top with like a fist to the throat and then uh russ francis comes off with one of the worst splashes off the top rope you'll ever see this man 
avoid he was gonna he was gonna do anything that night except for fall on those knees that were probably in intense pain from 10 years of playing in the nfl because he did one of those splashes where you land on your feet and then kind of slowly collapse down on the guy and your knees don't come anywhere near the canvas uh it looked awful uh he didn't look great but again this is not prime russ francis and i do think to the best of my knowledge that this was the final match he ever wrestled so I think Vern realized there was nothing left there. I think Russ Francis realized that there was no money in this in this return because the AWA was yeah, look around. at that point. <laughs> look around. Yeah, come out to that arena and look around and go, all right, yeah, I think we're done here. Yeah, but, you know, he got a few, few paydays there at the end of the line, and Vern gave it a shot. You know, it, it was a good idea on paper, you know, but it was uh, going to the well once too often. And I guess a few months later, he got traded away from the 49ers anyway. So uh, that kind of would have would have been the end of that because Vern wasn't running New England. No, 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 was not running New England. No, that that, that would have been the end of that. But um, yeah, and then that was it for for Russ Francis, who, um, as you mentioned on the instant reaction live, was one of the major players on the superstar show in the 70s where they would take the best athletes from all the various sports. And again, you can never do this today because the money's too big. And no one's going to risk getting injured and teams aren't going to want their players doing it in sort of like these off season competitions. But yeah, it's insane to watch that show. And it's like top, 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 top stars, too. It's not like like best athletes in the world. Like now, if they did it, maybe you could get by having like these like third tier, you know, these these. You know, random ass third baseman on some team that you've you've never heard of, or I mean, honestly, probably even tough to do those guys. But like, you watch this, and it's like top level stars are, are playing in this game show, and it's unbelievable to watch it uh, in, in real time. But yeah, it was it was it was a thing. They're they're a lot of fun to watch. I love going back and watching all those episodes. There's a bunch of them up on uh, um, yeah up on uh, uh, YouTube if you ever need to check any any of them out. But Russ Francis was one of the top guys. He yeah. would mm-hmm. he would, you know, be one of the top competitors and superstars. What they would do is they would take part like swimming, weightlifting, running, like Olympic style events to determine who was the best best athlete in the world. Right. You know? And like I said, it was um, almost always like <laughs> Like I always remember this one. I forget who else was in it, but like Wayne Grimditch was like a, a skier and he won. It's like he's he in there crush, with like, right? yeah, I forget who the fuck he was against, but it was like there was like top level athletes. And you're like, oh, man. And it's like the winner of the superstars is Wayne Grimditch. It's like Wayne Grimditch, the best athlete in the world. You're like, really? Are we sure? about that? But it's it's like I'm trying to find who he was against. OK, um, he was against. OK, I guess none of these other guys were that that big good. Dudes, uh, Dave Casper, football player. That's not that oh, big yeah, of a one. Yeah. Player. yeah, Raiders. Yeah, I guess for the not. Post. There, there wasn't play. too many other guys. That's okay. Greg Pruitt, football player too, but that's all right. Greg we'll, Pruitt, running back for the Browns. Yeah, yeah. Charles but, uh, White from U- Charles White, a running back from USC, who played for the <laughs> uh, Rams later on. There, you know, there's a lot of football players. A lot of uh, uh, wasn't Greg Luganis participating? I think so. Yeah, Luganis definitely was. Uh, if you're in yeah. the mid '70s, there's a little bit of juice, so a lot of OJ <laughs> out there. Oh, so, yeah. OJ! Yeah, a little. Hello, Twitter world. Absolutely, a little OJ. <laughs> a little juice in there. If you uh... love the OJ Twitter. Yeah, it's um, it's a Twitter. <laughs> That's for sure. So so yeah, he did superstars, and then you know he he had his pilot's license. Obviously, the plane crash. He was flying a private plane. There was one other passenger, and they both passed away. But uh, 70 years old. Was he 70 or 80? 70. 70 years old at the time of the flight and um yeah there's a lot of great comments in the chat i want to read you some of these so 
There's a guy in the chat who says he grew up near Portland and he remembers watching Big Bill Francis come wrestle in Portland. I guess that would be, um, depending how old this guy is, either uh, the the mid to late 70s or or the, the, the early 90 run that I was talking about where he wrestled Beetlejuice. Uh, Z notes that Bill Francis not only wrestled in all Japan, but he worked the champion carnival in 79. Wow. Okay. Um, the, the same guy who remembers watching big Bill Francis come to Portland says Colonel the beers was his substitute. Teacher oh my in God. Grade. Can you imagine? Yep. So he lived in, he lived in Vancouver, Washington, right across the river from Portland. He says, I recognized him. And in 1992, did he have the Colonel stash? The was his substitute he had to have had the stash. I've never seen Colonel DeBeers without that mustache. So he absolutely had that Google mustache. Google Prada right? 80 is this guy's name. So in, in, in seventh grade, he, he remembered. Yeah. So that means, yeah, what it must have been the 90s. Yeah, he had that Bill stash Francis. for sure. You're not fucking with that substitute teacher, by the way. You know, some people That's fuck with Colonel substitutes and act like assholes. You're not, you're not fucking with Colonel DeBeers. So check this out. Here's another comment from the chat. I found a news item from a 1987 Observer issue where Vern claimed that he and Ron Fuller have a money guy and are going to start running shows on the West Coast. Okay, so here's what happened. Ron Fuller said, I got a money guy. (laughs) Fern went, oh, okay. (laughs) Right. I like money. I need money. That sounds great. (laughs) Not only will I work the cow palace (laughs) for you, sir. I got me a money guy. <laughs> right. And we're going to open back up in the Shire territory. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Boy, did they have plans. The Tennessee stud and Vern Gagne. Yeah. They gonna... <laughs> that is the best part about late 80s observers is every news note is like all these old territory guys being like, they're going to rerun the thing, but they're going to coat. It's this territory and this territory. And they're going to call themselves, you know, global world championship wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> they got a money guy. Take... It's like, all right, it's Listen not, here, it's Vern. over. I it's got... over. It's done. Everybody I lost. I got me a money guy. And we're going to take down Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take down New York it's... once and for all. Vince Jr. and New York are going down. <laughs> so, so check this out. He goes on to say, this is this almost reads like a Mad Lib. So Wahoo McDaniel was supposed to be the booker. <laughs> of course. And Vern Fuller and, and Jerry Jarrett promoting with some secret money guy. Oh, oh that would have went great, yes. Because, by the way, uh, if people don't know about AWA Super Clash, is the reason it's called Super Clash is the uh, first Super Clash, AWA Super Clash 1, uh, was a confluence of all these different territories. They're all being just absolutely destroyed uh, by Vince McMahon coming together and saying, you know what, if we all work together, there's no way Vince Jr. is going to beat us. So it's the AWA, the NWA, World Class, and now we have this whole thing called Pro Wrestling USA. We're going we're gonna to take over USA Wrestling with our conglomerate of us three companies. So they run the Super Clash show at Comiskey Park. It gets like 20,000 people or whatever, which is a, a good a, a good number. It's a massive show. There's like 1,200 matches on the show. It's it never-ending show. It goes for and forever. And after the show, everybody hates each other because Jim Crockett's t- trying to sign all the talent and and, and, and Vern and, and the Von Erics aren't getting along. And it's just a complete fucking disaster. And they disputed the live gate and everybody argued over it and all this sort of stuff. So they obviously, AWA Super Clash 2 is just AWA Super Clash 2. And there's no other promotions involved in it. And Pressing USA, I was basically done after one year. So now let's do it again. <laughs> now this time we're going to get the Jarrett's, the Fullers, and Vern together with Wahoo McDaniel as the promoter. I'm sure it'll work this time. Definitely. Yeah. Wahoo doing the booking. And uh, <laughs> I just, 
and, and it says prelim guys were supposed to get 60 grand a year. Oh, in I'm sure. Money. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Junior McMahon ain't going to know what hit him from. <laughs> right. My guy's got computer you. money. It was probably some guy that definitely, you know, some tech guy or something like that was yeah. telling Fuller he had money. I yeah. see dollar signs in that DJ Peterson. I see dollar signs, Vern. We're going to do it. Yeah. Vern, I, 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 Jerry Jarrett, and Ron Fuller. Yeah, okay. I'm sure that'll go great, guys. Good luck with that. You bring Jerry Blackwell, and I'll bring the checkbook. Absolutely. That's exactly how it went down. Man, would I like to be on those phone conversations. That would have been something. Now i got to dig up this Observer. The May 25th, 1987. Yeah, May 25th, 1987, yeah. Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Oh, boy, to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> maybe the, maybe it would have been built around the South African mercenary, this new promotion. Who knows? But, uh, it was definitely going to be built around Jeff, by the way. <laughs> it would not have gone well, right? <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, yeah, you're right. You're Jeff right. Jarrett and, uh, and Greg Gagne, and yeah, it would have been terrible. It would have been... <laughs> and Ron Fuller is the mercenary. <laughs> yeah, Bunkhouse Buck. That's who's going to be built around. You know, my cousin's looking for work. And Kurt Hedding, who's Absolutely. got one foot out the door, will not answer any of Vern's. Hey, uh, Kurt, uh, yeah, what, what Vern? <laughs> yeah. Want to come in? Uh, yeah. I'm going to be busy, I think. <laughs> Try as he's, you know, running to the other room to call Vince. Please sign me, please, for God's sakes. Get me out of here. I need to get out of here. So, You know, Vern, I could bring old Jimmy Golden out there with me, and uh, we can push him <laughs> to the moon. I wish it did happen, though. It would have been great for the two months it would have lasted or whatever. So, oh, God. Conglomerates, old territory conglomerates in the late 80s. Nothing better. I'd love to do a deal. We got to do a Pro Wrestling USA deep dive one of these days. Just the, the it, oh, one show and everybody hated them. each other. It's the best. I love uh, it. Fantastic stuff. But uh, that's, uh, that's Russ Francis who passes yep. away. At the age of 70, much more extensive uh, wrestling career. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't really know about the Hawaii Territory. So I thought it was a good opportunity. No, I, I, yeah, to... they, they and they innovated a lot of stuff with, with in terms of pro wrestling, like, you know, pretty early uh, high level, you know, television production from them, which, you know, if you watch it now, you're going to go, this doesn't look like high level. But like, yeah, it's like mid 70s. This is pretty high level television production uh, for wrestling. I think. Was it steel cage matches that began there? I want to say some something like that. I don't know if it was steel cage matches or some sort of uh, uh, stipulation. I, I want to say it was steel cage matches that started there, and also uh, pretty heavy in backstage interviews as well at a time when that was still uh, pretty foreign, where where most guys would either cut promos in the ring or you know they'd be brought into the ring with, with an interview guy. But these were yeah backstage interviews because like I said, they were doing pretty high level uh, TV production pretty early on uh, in 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 you know the late sixties, early seventies. So yep, they did a lot of like locker room angles yeah you know that's that's that was something that they 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 did a lot of and, and again you were always guaranteed to get a lot of big stars to coming in uh to that promotion so uh it's funny i'm looking at the uh the night that that they went went head to head with the rival when when that rival promotion ran their first show at the uh, hic they brought in um, the rival promotion brought in Ray Stevens against Edward Compartier and then Ed Francis. 
He loaded it up with an 18-man Texas Battle Royal with Gene Kaniski, uh, Luther Lindsay, Mr. Moto, Curtis Iakea. So, uh, yeah, they weren't afraid to do gimmick matches and things like that. But, uh, yeah, an interesting promotion to to read up on the history of. And, you know, all the various uh, television show changes that they went through over the years. And, and again, Ed Francis was a pretty pragmatic promoter and he just, you know, he felt the deck as soon as the shit started not being profitable, just got another business. Now, Buckus dies today at the age of 80, and he has some minor pro wrestling connections. You know, the guest referee at WrestleMania 2 that we did was 80 years old. Bears up 27 3 on the live show here on Thursday Night Football, Rich. This, uh, this Dick Buckus, uh, the Dick Buckus effect here. Is he, uh, is he, uh, from the grave leading the Bears to their first victory since Elon Musk bought Twitter? Is this possible? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you, you're breaking up a little bit, by the way, connection wise. So people hear that, uh, th- just so you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw some people in the, uh, our Discord saying that. And, and Dick Buck has never went to the playoffs in his entire career. So I don't know that he's the guy, uh, that's going to motivate you to, uh, uh, to, <laughs> to, to make it, uh, big and, and take a big win. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it might, it might be something. I don't know. Maybe they've, uh, Maybe they figured out something over there in Chicago. Maybe they can hold this lead uh, the entire time. It'd be pretty, pretty funny if they blew this one too. <laughs> the, I don't think Chicago could take this. I hope they just win this. My my coworkers could not stand another uh, 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 collapse from the Bears. But Joe, you're back. Hopefully, you're doing all right. Well, just so. as I say that, Washington scored. So. That's what I'm saying. Man. This is gonna be careful, careful, careful. I, I might have to turn this on then, at least. Yeah. Don't watch many. Football game. I did watch the Bears on, on Sunday, though. Watch them collapse in front of me, so that was fun. Um, all right, let's get to the rest of our, uh, our wrestling show uh, here uh, this week. Uh, AWA, uh, AWA, <laughs> AEW Dynamite. Uh, at times feels like AWA sometimes. Uh, AEW Dynamite this week. Uh, you did the Thursday Dynamite review up at uh, flagshippatreon.com. That is on the $5 tier, by the way, if you want to subscribe and hear that. Uh, I think an all-time great episode of the Thursday Dynamite review, just talking about what the fuck that show was and the ups and the downs and 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 how it was one of your least favorite Dynamites of all time. And I kind of got that feeling as well. It wasn't the worst Dynamite I've ever seen. Uh, I've seen worse ones, I'm sure. There's been shows that I've probably... But this one, it was like when it was over, I was just like, man, I... I'm really at a point now where I do not know what the hell's going on with this company anymore with some of the high level stuff going on there, some of the characters going on, some of the tone, some of the I just there's so much with this show that I was just like, man, I have I'm starting to lose my grasp of what the fuck this is supposed to be. And it's it's wild because after Wrestle Dream we're on the show saying like, here we go. AEW has another immensely great pay per view. Uh, it's one that rose up through Cage Match over over the last couple of days. Like on that show, we were talking it was like what the 16th best uh, AEW pay per view ever by the end of this week. I think it's like fifth or sixth at this point. So just kept rising up and kept rising up. People would find the show, go on there, rate it, whatever it may be. You know, it's rising up to being one of the better pay per views they've ever done. And I, I would agree, it, it was just a tremendous pay per view. They've had a run of really, really great pay-per-views, but man, this week-to-week TV is just, it's its mind-numbing uh, at, at times, and particularly, obviously, the Brochacho stuff, the pre-tapes, the Adam Cole can't lift a couch thing, I'm supposed to laugh, I don't know why, the timeless Tony Storm stuff is just as bad, and it's probably not getting enough credit for being as bad as it is, uh, because the Cole stuff and, and the MJF, MJF stuff and the Brochacho and the Roger Strong stuff is all that much worse, but the Tony stuff stinks, and it's just like, 
man, then MJF cuts that promo, and I'm like, man, what is going on with this company right now? And and you know, it all kind of leads to I think, and, and we can kind of wrap these into in, in, into one you know big segment here. Is this coming week? We got a Tuesday night battle. We got Tuesday night war, Super Tuesday, whatever you want to call it. Uh, sports are forcing AEW to Tuesday uh, this week. They're not going to be on Wednesday. They're on Tuesday this week. And they're going head-to-head with NXT. And NXT is surging in the ratings. They just had their best viewership uh, in, in quite some time uh, last week, mostly on the heels of Becky Lynch. Uh, they have John Cena announced. They have Paul Heyman announced. They have Cody Rhodes announced. Uh, some other things will come over the next couple of days as well. But NXT is going to be pretty damn loaded. And it's a, it's a show that really has only needed like Dom Mysterio and Becky to do big ratings or you know a Seth Rollins or whoever uh, to do big ratings they're they're bringing out Cody Rhodes, Cena, Heyman, I'm sure Becky will find her way in there. She's still the NXT champion. They're going to load this show up on their end and this could be a real real eye-opening week for a lot of people. Uh A how NXT has been surging in the ratings and and how well they've done and, and maybe just how AEW has kind of lost their way in a lot of ways and and this week being, you know, not another another not so great ratings week. Um obviously there's the factor of the DVRs, which you know w- w- was discussed a little bit uh, on the Thursday Dynamite review, and, and if you follow Tony Khan and AEW on on Twitter, you know they mentioned that there was an issue where you know the cable was showing that the show was going to start at at four p.m. or whatever, as opposed to seven or whatever. But um, yeah, or, or eight or whatever it was supposed to be in, in the East Coast. But yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting week, and and I don't know. I, I know that you talked at length about it on your Thursday Dynamite review, but yeah, this this week's show was was eye opening for me. It, it really was of just like what are we what are we doing here? Like what's going on? What what do you guys want out of this thing? Like what what is the tone? What is what is the tenor of this promotion right now? And and I will say. Little by little, I've seen a lot of people start to turn. I've seen a lot of the worm turning a lot on this. This week was the first time I've seen almost, and maybe there's a few people out there, but I saw almost 100% of people saying, like, I don't understand this Adam Cole, Roger Strong thing. I don't think this is funny at all. And this MJF promo sucked. Like, I didn't see anybody defending this. And that might be we've just, like, ran off every single person that likes this stuff and or, or whatnot. But I saw, I, I don't know, I sensed this week a lot of just, like, what are we doing here? Like, what what, what are we actually trying to accomplish with this company right now? Because it feels, in a lot of ways, like they, they've kind of lost their way. Uh, th- this week in particular was just so eye-opening to that. It's a perplexing thing because, um, you know, so much of the rest of the show, I think, is very well-focused and and going in some positive directions and feels like it's 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 booked better and 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 than it has been you know over the vast majority of the rest of the of of 2023 but uh look mjf is just determined to prove some kind of point and i i don't you know it was very obvious when he came into the uh wrestle dream press scrum or whatever you want to call it that he was gotten to about all of this because before anybody even asked him a question he was already defending himself and i don't know who it was he went after it may have been brian alvarez for some tweet that he saw that called his match a gimmick match and uh, brian actually liked the match but mjf took offense to the fact he called it a gimmick match and then went into this long diatribe defending his flavor of ice cream right or that that wrestling has lost its way or we've lost a step or something like that and now i'm bringing it back and i'm bringing a new flavor of ice cream or whatever and it's like all right dude i mean you're not you know and it's just very telling that before he's (laughs) even asked a question that he's already in defense mode i thought that was very telling i feel like um and, and talking about how you know, and then he did that interview with with uh, with Ibu from Wrestle Purist, mm-hmm. and then um, 
then buried him on Twitter, you know, lightheartedly buried him uh, literally moments after his match on the pay-per-view saying, oh, did the crowd not react to me now, you know, or something along those lines. He just seems very, very sensitive and gotten to when it comes to this topic and he's out to prove something. And yeah, the live crowds do respond to this stuff. And yeah, his segments typically do uh, good quarter hours. Uh, are they positioned in the quarter hours that traditionally do well? Yeah, they are. Uh, you know, first quarter hour, top of the hour, you know, but, but do they perform? Yes, they do. Um, you can't, you can't take that away. Do, do I think it's some kind of red hot angle that's before now, look, let's not go crazy with, with, with how well that these quarter hours do either, because it's not like this show is doing 2 million viewers and putting up point point fives. Okay. The show's basically doing the same numbers it's been doing for the last uh, year or so. It's uh, basically flat to last year, a little down some weeks, a little up some weeks, generally down. They're not selling tickets. Right. Just because you your quarter that. hour is a little bit better than some of the other quarter hours does not mean it's a hot angle. It means and, it's, it and might here's be. the thing. It should be. You're the world champion <laughs> right. in the hardest pushed angle. And, so. he's been, and he's been the champion for a year. I don't think people quite. I know I didn't. When someone mentioned, "Hey, you know he's about to be the champion for a year, and he's going to become the he's going to have the longest reign in AEW history very, you know, very very soon." The guy's been champion, top champion for a year. He's going to pass that very very shortly. You can yeah. judge this guy. <laughs> you can judge this guy on the merits of what is selling and what is drawing and what the TV is. Like I know that there were a lot of people push back on that and say, "Oh, well, no, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this." I'm sorry, man. When you're the world champion for a year, for a year. I got to see some business move. You know, I mean, I, I can't just say, ah, well, everything's kind of the same or, or, or down slightly. So, ah, yeah, he's been fine. It's not his fault. I mean, the guy's been a champion yeah, yeah, so, for a so year, for, a year. Yeah, forgive me if I'm not throwing bouquets at your nice little quarter hours, which is <laughs> right. what they are. This isn't some massive business boom that your dopey little brochacho line, you know, storyline is producing. It's not. You're doing some nice little quarter hours. You're selling some T-shirts. No one's buying tickets to these shows. Pay-per-view business isn't blowing it out the door. I mean, you know, there's other, uh, you know, no one can call this some kind. People try to say it's a red-hot angle, but there's no evidence that it is. But anyway, my point here is he seems a little insecure about it, you know, snapping at people before they even ask him a question, uh, explaining his thought process, and um, he's out to prove something. I don't know what he's trying to prove, but it's like, Max, all right, man, you proved your point. You prove that you can tell people you're going to do a body slam and then get them to pop for a body slam. You told people that you're going to do a double clothesline and then get them to pop for a double clothesline. Uh, you tell people to call somebody a talentless taint and then stick the microphone in the air in sheer <laughs> desperation to get them to chant it. How you prove that they'll you've proved that they'll chant it. Right. Right. Okay? How bad so, was him saying, all right, guys. Now we're going to do a dueling chant. Like, I'm not, if you didn't watch the show, he literally said, all right, guys, let's do a dueling chant. Yeah. I'm going to, one side will say talentless taint, and then the other one's going to, it's like, ass boys or whatever. And it's like, what? (laughs) That's not, come on, man. That's. And he knows they're going to do it because he's over. Yeah. Right. But it's lazy. It's derivative. It's, it's beneath him. It's uncreative. And. Now he's kind of on the defensive about it because there's there's a lot of people who think it's it's all of the things that I just said that it's just utter garbage, stinking up the shows, and um, it's just interesting. He, he's trying to I guess prove some point to 
the other boys in the back or to to to, to fans or to whoever. We all right, we tap out. You proved it. You're you're a fucking genius. You're you're brilliant. You're a brilliant mind. You are a beautiful mind. You have proven that you can get these Pavlonian uh responses in the arenas, that you can get people to do sort of this lowest possible level form of crowd response uh, uh theater in these buildings. You proved it, man. Can we get back to pro wrestling now? Right? You proved your point. You 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 are no doubt. The biggest brain in the room. Yeah, 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 an amazing ability to tell people to do something and then they do it. That, uh, bravo, sir. But now can we all just move on from this nonsense? Right. Well, it that's all goes back. It. it all goes back to all in. And that that's the point that I think all this changed. And, and, and for me, at least, it was like the inflection point of like, okay, now I don't know what we're doing anymore. Because I was under the impression, I'm sure a lot of people were as well, that all of this was buddy buddy chummy chummy all right yeah we're brochachos double clothesline body slam all this sort of stuff was all this wink wink nudge nudge stuff that both these guys truly did not like each other and were just faking it in front of each other to try to get to this end point where they were going to go to all in and 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 cole let you know mjf let his guard down a little bit and cole swooped in to get the title shot or mjf was playing 40 chess and letting this guy's let get let this guy get his guard down so that he could turn on him and all that's kind of what i all what we all thought was going to happen here at, at all in was okay. Now we're going to finally move on or, or, or something. And I remember you saying like, I don't be so sure that <laughs> they got shit ready till December. And I'm thinking there's oh, yeah. no way because the whole story to me was that. And, and they, that was in canon, the story as well, because these guys would be chummy, chummy and buddy, buddy and brochacho or whatever. But then Adam Cole would touch the AW title and MJF would snap a look at him and go like, Hey man, hold on a minute. What are you doing? That's my title. And it was like, okay, at the end of the day, it's still all about this title. It's all about, you know, this rivalry. And now, now we see those little bits of moments where they let their guard down that it's obvious that these guys still cannot stand each other and that someone's playing somebody and someone will get played it all in. That was my thought. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that I was... don't know. I, this listen, this is absolutely no disrespect to you or anything you just said, but I zoned out because I don't even give a shit where this story's going. Well, I, but I, I'm I, saying though, I don't care either because I thought it was, the story was to all in. Yeah, and then yeah, it was yeah, like, okay, yeah. someone's going to turn on somebody. Someone is going to switch to say, now it's over. After all in, this buddy, buddy, chummy, chummy, brochacho, which is over the top on purpose to get people to kind of say, okay, these guys are being so over the top that it's clear they're fake nice to each other. They don't actually like each other. They're going to destroy each other at all in. Max is going to beat Adam Cole into a bloody pulp or whatever and take his title back or Cole's going to turn on him with the help of Roderick Strong or whatever and then that, none of that happened at all in at all in Roderick Strong came out and you're thinking okay here we go and then no none of that happened and then Max did his oh if you just want if the title means that much to you just take it I don't want it and it was like okay well now I've lost complete I don't know what the fuck this is anymore and we went on the all in instant reaction and said like I was like okay well now I don't fucking know anymore and I know less every single week now I, I know so much less every single week now when we're still being over the top. We're st- now I'm like you. I'm like, I don't know what you're trying to prove, buddy, but like you proved it at all up to all in. You proved that you could get that over. We're good now. We tap out. We're good. Let's move on to some other stuff. Let's have a real story. Let's get back to pro wrestling. But now it's apparently become an addiction to, you know, get tofu over, which is not over, by the way. People do not like chanting tofu at all. And and and, and you can do these things where you come out and you say something, you hold the microphone up, and then fans you say it. Great. Your L.A. Knight, your, your L.I. Knight is what I want to call him for Long Island Knight at this point. Like, that's what he is at this point. And it's like, OK, cool. I guess this is fun and interesting and, and unique for you. But I don't know. It seems really lazy and really beneath you and, and, and kind of like not you're this guy is so fucking talented. 
He's 27. He's been the world champion for a year. He did all this. I mean, he is is the top guy in this company, and he built himself up from the ground up. He's one of the smartest, most learned, most studied wrestlers I've ever seen in my entire life. And this is where we're at with this. It's like, all right, I, well, this, I'm, Rich, I'm done. Rich, this is man. what he likes. This is what he likes. Yeah, well, this is who he is, and this is what he likes. And Tony Khan obviously likes it, or Tony Khan is just scared to confront him, and and he likes that the, the that it gets good live reactions and does these cute little quarter hour numbers, which aren't blowing the doors off by any means. And you know, I I, I don't know. It's uh, the, the the bigger problem to me is it's permeating the entire company, just like I said it would, just like I predicted in the spring. Uh, everybody told me I was wrong. Everybody told me I was out of my mind. Everyone told me I was overreacting. This is now a subtlety hammer company. This this is what they are, a subtlety hammer promotion. Mm-hmm. Mid-South Tony's dead. This is a subtlety hammer promotion just like the other place. Something silly or zany uh, gets over on TV. They lean super hard into it, whether it's the brochacho nonsense, these terribly unfunny pre-tapes. I would like to know, and I know people listen to this who are in the room. I'd like to know from any of these grown adult men in the room running this show, who thinks any of these pre-tapes are fun? Right, who, who's it's, slapping their knee at Adam Cole having trouble lifting a couch and making a funny face? Talk me through what the joke is. <laughs> right. What's the punchline? Why do you think this stuff is funny? Because when you look online, the only people who react to this are the crying face emoji crowd. And maybe that's the idea, to attract a different kind of demographic, a less sophisticated fan. I hate the sound you know, like a gatekeeper or uppity or whatever term you want to use to describe. But maybe that's the idea is to try to attract a, a less sophisticated wrestling fan who, you know, and, and and people will bury me for this, but I don't care. I get buried for everything. Maybe that's the idea to to attract the crossover WWE fans. Uh, but why would those, why know, would that person not just watch over to be, though? Who else would? But who, I no, I agree. Look, look, th- th- my point here is. We're seeing more of this now, like with Timeless Tony. She did something that was mildly amusing, and they're leaning so far into it that now she's a total NXT caricature, right? Uh, you're going to see that giraffe onto you. I guarantee you. Oh, my you. God, Matt Taven's giraffe. They showed yeah, that giraffe twice. Giraffe. He's stroking it, looking at the camera. That fucking giraffe, you get ready for that thing. That thing is going to be everywhere. Yeah. There's going to be a shirt about Roderick, it soon. Rod- Roderick Strong has a, 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 like this crackly, whiny-sounding voice. So now what do we get on TV every week? Adam. And who does that appeal to? It appeals to idiots. Right. He he went from he went from guy in a neck brace to now he's like a full blown like caricature. He he, he can't walk. He's in a hospital gown and it's like oh he's my He's wearing God. a hospital gown while not in a hospital. This is just low <laughs> God. level. Who it's, wants it's this low, shit? Fuck off. It's it's God. low level. It's low level, low brow. WWE style sports entertainment. That's what it is. And that's what this promotion it's permeating more and more yeah. into AEW. And 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 the, the problem is it's like I said in the spring and what I tried to warn people about. Once you go down this road and some of this stuff starts getting over, every single person in the back who's not getting TV time, who's not happy with their push, they go to they go home at night, their head hits the pillow. And they're thinking about what kind of wacky zany character can I come up with? Because this is what gets on TV now. This is what gets over. Tony Storm is working the main event on Dynamite. Tony Storm gets segments every week. Roderick Strong 
is doing his gimmick on TV every week. The brochachos is the top story in the country. This is how it happens. And this is all I was trying to explain to people months and months ago. And the more Tony Khan allows this stuff to be honest, look, the floodgates are open. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Okay. And, and you know, there's going to be more and more. This is a subtlety hammer promotion. Now, longtime listeners know what I mean when I say that. Oh, yeah. at this they, point, the next AEW time W subtlety hammer now. Oh, for sure. The, the next time Daniel Garcia comes out, he needs to do his dance like the entire time. You know what I mean? Like come, Absolutely. walk down the Just, ramp doing yes. the dance. The bell rings. He does the dance. Every, I mean, instead of doing it once or twice a match, he's just going to do it every second of this, the match. Yeah. And, 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 and the fact, and this is not even a referendum on their future, uh, the future of the company or anything like that. Maybe they will be successful going down this path. The, my problem with it is I am entirely, I am almost entirely lost hope that this is going to be an alternative oh, that, to we're what done. The WWE was offering on a post for two decades because they're so similar in so many ways now in the way that they're presenting their product. So, um, Look, they're going to get a big television deal. I'm sure the attendance will turn around at some point. Um, you know, and 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 they're going to be fine. It, you know, you know, the pay-per-views are still great. We still have those. You just got to ignore MJF shit, and the pay-per-views are great. Yeah, they keep throwing MJF but, bullshit in the first match of the the pay-per-view, and then have two three hours afterwards of just incredible stuff. That'll work for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. But the, the problem here is is we're no longer this rebellious alternative to what the standard in American television wrestling is we're just more and more just like the, that place. Well, I, I used and, to come on this show and I would, I would say that, that AEW for better or for worse in my mind, better, but for some people maybe worse or whatever is a pro wrestling company. And we haven't had a pro wrestling company in this country in, in, in decades, probably three decades. Yeah. Cause WCW I can't confidently be, call it a pro wrestling. It's not company a pro wrestling anymore. company anymore. And that's uh, whatever, like it's that. okay. It's it's but it's this more, is what they, 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 this is, they've chosen this and it's deliberate. And the reason I believe is they're shook by the bloodline and the success that WWE had earlier this year, turning around their house shield business and their ratings and their business. And they feel like in order to appeal to WWE fans, they have to do more things. And you have a guy like MJF who this is his preferred style of wrestling and he's the top guy and he's going to do what he wants and no one's going to stop him. And as long as he's producing these halfway decent quarter hours, he's got the, 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 the argument to back it up. And for people who don't like this stuff like us, the only way you're going to see it stop is if the live crowd stop responding to it. If he stops getting those pops, if people stop participating in his crowd participation nonsense, then maybe you have a hope that, you know, that, that someone can turn around and say, Hey, look, man, this stuff isn't working. Uh, but, but you know, it's working for the live crowds. He's doing his decent little quarter hours and um, you know, there's going to be no end in sight. This is his vision. He's the world champion. He's the top star in the company, and as I've been saying to people for months and months, he is the most powerful force in the company, and he was the most powerful force in the company even when Punk was there. Everyone thought it was Punk. It was not. It was Max. Max is the most powerful force in that company. Go ask anybody in it, because I do. He's the most powerful force in that company. So that's why this is not – this stuff isn't going to stop until he decides he doesn't want to do it anymore, and it's going to continue to permeate the company in other ways. So if you don't like it, I don't know. You're just, you're beat. You're like us and you're beat. Welcome to the losing team. I've been on it for years. Right. We're, we're there again. For a minute, it felt I've like we might win. For years. We, might get a, we might get a victory. Maybe we're not going to win the war, but maybe no. we'll win some battles. But uh, we've Tony lost the, the battles. Chance. We Tony lost the wars. The it's best, over. Yeah. 
Tony was the best and last chance. Oh, you and don't think there's going to be another billionaire who came up on the message boards that's, uh, you know, no, come on. There's got to be another one and, out and, there. And right? people, again, say we're overreacting, and they'll say, but listen, I've been saying this for months that this day was coming. Still what it is. That's fine. Know? It and, is, uh, yeah. Now I know I know where we stand. Like I, I you know, I like you said, I thought that we were going to get this rebellious alternative that that was unabashedly pro-wrestling, and, and it's not. It's another sports entertainment company, and it'll go right in line with – Mid nineties WCW, which you know slowly found its way into just becoming sports entertainment. It'll go where TNA did uh, when it slowly just became sports entertainment as well. And, and yeah, now AEW's another one of those long lines of uh, you know upstart U.S. companies that you know maybe at, from time to time do stuff unique, but for the most part are just another sports entertainment company chasing the the big giant in the broom. So yeah, yeah. it's Lazy Max Dollar Store Dwayne. He's doing this Li Night. Store. I'm doing Li Night is the one I'm picking. So. You know, it just dollar store acts, uh, the 2002, the rock. No, well, worse. No, 2002 rock. At least he is. Remember when rock came back against John Cena and he clearly didn't have his fastball anymore. And he just started calling John Cena like a Kung Pao bitch and stuff. And it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. He was just saying the fruity pebbles and Kung Pao bitch and all this stuff. It's like, what are you doing? Like, what does that I, I do actually, with anything? I, I felt bad for MJF after the beatdown when he was like, huh, he's like growling into the mic. He's like. You're on tofu. He still had to shoehorn yep. in the tofu. Like he just came off like a complete dork. Like Jay White came off so much cooler than him. And you know, I, I, who's the baby face here? You know, and it's um I, I you know, but it's uh I believe this is strategic and I think I think Tony's al- allowing them to lean into this. You have people in the room who like this kind of shit too. And you know, this is what MJF wants to do, so that's what Max is going to do. Nobody's going to stop him. So um, just settle in. Yeah. It ain't going anywhere. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, This is what this company is now. This is what this promotion is now. I, 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 I want to be wrong, but I feel like there's going to be more of this, not less of it. Right. We're too far gone, I think, now. Like I said, if at, 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 at all in, if MJF – you know, stuck his hand out to Adam Cole and shook it and then beat his ass down and bloodied him up and, and destroyed him and kind of laughed and said, you fool, you trusted the devil or whatever. Or Adam Cole does the exact same thing where he says, Max, you idiot. I was never your friend. I would never wanted to be your friend. Like that, all that sort of stuff. And, and he's, you know, Roderick helps him win the title and they beat him down. They're bloodied or whatever. Then I'm like, all right, cool. When all that, what we had, all the bro chacha, the double clothesline, all that bullshit, the fucking trampoline park and the Chinese food, hot owie, you know, all that shit was all just for the end of, Okay, these guys are going to turn on each other or whatever. We've gone past that point. I, we're, we're too far gone now. Because now, what's he going to do? Is he going to in two months say, "Ha ah, ha, I was well, all I joking. Mean, yeah, I was I all a joke, and you all played it." It's like you did it for nine months, man. <laughs> like we can't. I'm not. I don't know. I don't even. I, I, I again, I don't even think about this stuff because I am so. Well, it's past it. Now, it. now, now like, there isn't thought to it. Now I know there, there is. There's this whole thing where most there's a lot of people who think that Adam Cole isn't really injured and. I never really considered it because I don't care. <laughs> like I've never thought about, oh yeah, maybe this is a worked injury, but it's like it's too, it's too long. They've done it too long, and it's it's. I it's... haven't ever considered it. I I just don't give a shit whether Adam Cole is faking his leg injury or not, or, or I don't care. Well, and like you said, it's not like it's this un- this one thing on the entire show that's completely different than everything else. Like like people in the note of chat room no, bringing up great coming. points. Yeah. Uh, the JES, their whole shtick. Was that they were sports entertainers? Andrew Rich brought up the same thing. Remember, remember that it was not that no, long but ago. Their, but their whole shtick was mocking it. Yes, 
But the shtick was like, hey, here are sports entertainers, and we are sports entertainers or whatever. And the, the idea was, look at these fucking goofballs doing this sports the entertainment bullshit on this pro wrestling show. And that was the heat. That was the heat was these sports entertainers. And Daniel Garcia, you know, people telling him, hey, be a wrestler. And he goes, no, I'm a sports entertainer. And everyone went, boo. <laughs> I thought that's what this company was. And now it's like, now, like you said, there's not only the MJF and Adam Cole stuff. If it was just them isolated in their own little world, you might be able to still play off this. All right, these are just these weirdos doing their own weird dumb thing or whatever. But like you said, now you got Tony Storm being a 1940s film noir starlet or doing some Sunset Boulevard bullshit. And it's like, all right, well, all right. And, and, and it's going to continue. Like you said, it's not going to just be Max and, and, and Adam. Now Roddy's in there. Now the kingdom are in there. Now Tony's in that in that 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 universe or whatever of this just whatever the fuck. Anything mildly is amusing will be leaned into right. with the subtlety. It's a very com- it's becoming a comedy yes. program in a lot of ways. That's it's exactly what it is. And that's not to say that they're not still going to have great matches and great pay-per-views. All of that will continue, but you're going to have to deal with this bullshit too. It's a variety. It's now a variety show. The classic, you know, it, uh, we, we, yes. we 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 have something for everybody. What Vince McMahon would always yeah. say, and it's like, all right, well, when, then. when the original concept here was that we were going to be an alternative and be different, right? And now we are more alike with them than we have been in a very long time, and less and successful keeps and, getting... at the gates and uh, in the ratings. So, all right, the gap I don't know. keeps getting closed in terms of how different these two promotions are, and um, you know, and, and yes, like as you just said, there's times in their history where they were far more successful than they are now in terms of attendance and television ratings. And those sorts of things. And there was way less of this stuff. And, that you know, some people will say, oh, well, they've always had elements of this. Yes, they have. But that's disingenuous and you're missing the point. It, it wasn't uh, the and we woven into the fabric of the it wasn't the you get what I'm saying here. It wasn't the this is the top program in the company. Right, Matt Hardy coming out with the fucking drone one time does not equal nine and months. And by the way, we, we buried that. <laughs> yeah, that shit sucks, by the promotion. way, too. The, uh, the, the Mimosa Mayhem match, go listen to that instant reaction live if you want to see what we thought of yeah, that match or whatever. Yeah. If your argument is AEW has always done this sort of stuff, my counter would be yes, and I think it has always sucked. So I don't, you know, that's not, you're, you're not scoring a point. Right, but but, but ultimately like it was that. one little thing and maybe it was the small thing on, on, on a larger show overlook. or it yeah. didn't involve the main event or it didn't involve the, the world, world title. title. This still involves the world title, which is a complete fucking afterthought. I, I mentioned it at Wrestle Dream. I can't, fa- I can't even put into words how much of an afterthought the AEW world title is to, to, to this entire show. And to, I mean, we got a little bit here with Jay White and MJF. That was kind of what that promo was was about, or whatever. And we we needed that so badly because you forget at times that this guy's the fucking champion because he's it. It seems like the least important title to him. It seems like the tag team title, the ROH tag team titles, are more important to the character of MJF. And and it's just, yeah, it it we're talking. Let's talk about it. This you know coming up this week, I Joe. I don't know if they're going to announce it anytime soon. They didn't announce it on Dynamite, but I don't see an AEW World Title match on this uh, title tuesday i well you know i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up well uh, it's title tuesday and we got the AEW women's title we got the AEW international title titles we got the you know the number one contendership for the tnt title we got titles up the wazoo here on this uh, title tuesday show but i'm looking through my notes and i don't see it well i don't i don't see the world title joe you would think that the world champion and locker room leader and self-professed best guy in the locker room and uh and good ratings getter mjf 
would be uh, leading the charge next week. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of the top dudes. Go, yeah. A lot of top dudes. As I mean, go, yeah. You would think he'd be leading the charge in going against NXT. And you would think that he would be knocking on Tony Khan's door and demanding to be put in the first quarter hour, the top of the hour in the main event. Tony, Tony, this is what I want you to do. I'm MJF. I am the good ratings getter. I am the man. He tells the anyone who will listen. He's the, he's the world champ, too. He's the world champ. He's the world champ. He's, the, he's uh, supposedly the, the top guy. He tells anyone who will listen how great his quarter hours are. Hey, Max, this stuff kind of sucks. Oh, but the quarter hours. Ah, Max, this, this stuff stinks. Oh, but the crowds pop. Okay, great. So I assume you're pounding down Tony Khan's door and demanding to be put in all the key quarter hours next week. In fact... I'm sure that MJF is telling Tony Khan, Tony, this is what we're going to do next week. We're going to keep an eye on NXT. And when John Cena's coming up, that's when I want you to put me on TV. Because I get the ratings. I get the big quarter hours. When they're going to put Cody out there, that's when I want to be out there. Put me against Cody. Put me against John Cena. Because I'm MJF and I'm the world champion and I'm better than you. And I am the good ratings getter. Ah, shit. And I pop all these phenomenal quarter hours. Rich, is he is he is he advertised for the show? Uh, he's Rich? not advertised for the show. I know MJF of, of a year ago sounds like the type of guy you're describing there. And no, he has not announced for it. You got John Moxley, who who kind of the, the heart and soul, the the beating heart of AEW. He's there. Chris Jericho, the day one guy, the guy that really put them on the map, the stamp of approval that they needed. Obviously, you have the Bucks and, and Omega. They're not uh, listed on the show uh, yet either. I don't know if they're going to get involved in anything, but you know, I think Jericho and Moxley are two guys that you have to. If you're going hand, all hands on deck for this title Tuesday, you got to have Moxley. You got to have Jericho. Hangman Page and the guy you got to have in there. So you got Hangman Page versus Jay White. You have Powerhouse Hobbs versus. Chris Jericho. You got Ray Phoenix and John Moxie for the AEW International Championship. You got Brian Danielson, obviously one of the best wrestlers I, I ever against Swerve Strickland, one of the hottest wrestlers in the company. They're going to have a match to be the number one contender for the TNT title. Only the TNT title for them, but that's fine. Adam Copeland, new signing. You know, you pay big bucks. You pay multiple millions of dollars to bring this guy in. He's going to be against Luchasaurus. Big time match there. Hikaru Shida and, and Soraya for the AEW Women's title. You know, yeah. Paige. You know, What's telling me is it sounds like all hands on deck. Feels like most hands on deck, yeah. Where's the world champion? Well, Where's what the I think guy is, who... what is interesting about the guy, the people that I all mentioned there is there's not a whole lot of bullshit in, the, in, in, in these guys. And that might be, I wonder if that is by design of, hey, we're going up against NXT, which tends to be pretty heavy on bullshit in a lot of ways. We're going to have Phoenix versus Moxley. What are you going to get out of that match? Two guys are going to go out there and kill one another and have a great match. Swerve Strickland versus Brian Danielson. There's going to be no shtick in that match. Those guys are going to go out there and whoop each other's ass and have a great match. Powerhouse Hobbs and Chris Jericho. Hobbs is probably going to... I would assume Hobbs is going to take Jericho to the woodshed, and, and maybe Jericho pulls out a win at the end or whatever, but you're trying to get Powerhouse Hobbs over as the next big you know muscle of, of, of the, the you know the Don Callis family or whatever. Jay White and Hangman Page. Those guys are going to go out there and, and, and go back and forth and beat, beat the hell out of one another. Soraya and Hikaru Shida. I, I, you know, yes, Soraya is in the outcast and all that sort of stuff. I tend to believe that that's going to be pretty non-bullshit. And actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Hikaru Shida wins and <laughs> wins back the title. I don't know if that's exactly the direction they're going to go. But uh, not a lot of bullshit. And then Adam Copeland and Luchasaurus. Uh, you might get some Christian shenanigans there, but I feel like they're going to try to showcase Adam Copeland and and show you know what he can do in terms of in-ring and in what he's going to do in AEW. There's no shtick. There's no bullshit. There's no wink-wink, nudge-nudge in any of those matches. Those are professional wrestling matches that they're countering NXT with. But no, no MJF. 
No, I, I, I disagree. I think if anything's by design here, it's that MJF wants no part of this. That's what I think. Well, he might. If you uh, want me to be honest, no, I, you, you might be right. But I think also, I, I don't know if it's AEW. I don't know if it's 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 him. I, they probably understand that. They, I, I don't know. I don't know if they think that. Hey, let's just make this a full-on professional wrestling show because that's our best chance of beating these guys in the ratings this week. No, I think if if it were up to Tony Khan, MJF would be wrestling on the show. That's what I think. Probably. I, that's what I think. No, you're probably I, right. I think. I now mean, look, he, is, he is very conspicuous by his absence. Maybe we'll get a pre-tape. Maybe we'll get a we'll hear from MJF or whatever. Gonna but... do something on, they're going to do something on Collision, and he's going to be on the show in some form. Okay, we know that. Or I, actually, I assume that. If he's if he's not on the show at all, I have to say, that is one of the most deliberately cowardly oh, things that, I've that's, seen. Oh, that's, that's a Hulk Hogan-style thing where I'm taking a vacation, brother. This is MJ <laughs> Hogan. It's right. MJ Hogan at right. this point. But I assume they're going to shoot some kind of angle on collision or something, or they're going to advertise some kind of MJF segment. We'll hear from MJF or something late in the game. And maybe that's the strategy. Hold off the MJF announcement until sometime next week or after collision or, you know, whatever the case may be. All I'm saying is this is a guy who can't wait to tell you how great his quarter hours are. Why isn't he knocking down Tony Khan's door to be all over the show? Why isn't he demanding a match? Why isn't he out to prove that he's going to beat the surging NXT show this Tuesday? Why is there no trace of him yet on this show? When he's the first guy to tell everybody how great his quarter hours are and how his flavor of ice cream is successful and a winner. And listen to the crowds and look at my quarter hours. You can't find this guy with a search party on the most important show they're going to do all year. From a public perception standpoint and everything else. I'm sorry. It looks like he's ducking it. That's what it looks like. Is he ducking it? I don't know. But that's sure what it looks like. He's he's very conspicuous by his absence. To grab a term from uh, Vince McMahon, conspicuous by his absence. Yeah, it is pretty glaring. It's that totally the, bizarre. That, well, it's Title it's Tuesday. Totally Again, bizarre. like I said, there's a Title Tuesday and the world champion isn't anywhere to be seen. That, to the me. Self-professed biggest ratings draw in the company. Mm-hmm. Who will tell anyone who will listen? Well, where are you here when they need you the most? Ducking and diving? What are we doing? I don't know. It's weird to me. So we'll see. I'm sure he'll end up in the show in some capacity, and I'm sure his quarter hour will do very well. So next week, obviously, uh, NXT, they have Carmelo Hayes with John Cena. So John Cena will not be wrestling. He'll be accompanying Carmelo Hayes to the ring versus Braun Breaker, who will have Paul Heyman with him uh, on this night. So obviously just trying to get as many dudes that are in the area to come out there and do it as well. Cody Rhodes will, quote, make a major announcement, probably something related to a Dusty classic or a dusty cup or whatever and then oscar versus roxanne perez so far uh, announced for nxt i'm sure they will load up uh, becky lynch as i said is still the nxt champion so there's probably a pretty good chance that she'll be on the show so i uh, will see over the next couple days and they'll probably they'll promote the fuck out of it during raw as well they, they are they know they they're, they're not putting john cena and cody on the show because they're just gonna say ah yeah whatever we're just gonna do our normal show no this thing will be the, the Dom will be there. Dudes will be there. They, they're they're going to definitely uh, uh, ramp this thing up. And and I'm fascinated because they, you know, viewership wise, NXT got more viewers this week than AEW. Now now demo wise, that's always going to be tougher. I have no idea, but I think it's going to be a dogfight, man. I, I think NXT. You look at the ratings that they've done, the surge in the ratings that they've had. AEW has been kind of uneven. 
And we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now, maybe a couple months now, and people are maybe starting to finally listen to us. I think this week was was maybe the eye-opening one uh, finally for people that we have said if you track AEW's ratings, there was a long time where we used to track AEW ratings, and we would say it's so interesting Real sports affects AEW more than it affects WWE. The WWE fans will, there could be a a great Monday Night Football game on, there could be a big-time World Series game on, there could be some big-time NBA Finals game or whatever, but Raw, that audience will mostly stay the same. They'll, They'll get hit during Monday Night Football, of course, but for the most part, they will stay the same regardless of what a big-time sport thing was. AEW is not the case. If there was some big-time sport or, or, or a presidential debate or whatever on a Wednesday, they would get slaughtered by that thing. And sports always affected them more than anything. Little by little, sports have not affected AEW nearly as much. Now the biggest thing that affects AEW ratings is a WWE show. Whether it's be an NXT show, a, a, a show in, in England, uh, a WWE PLE, an NXT PLE, whatever it may be. The thing that affects AEW ratings more than anything right now is something happening in WWE. Not sports well, as I much. Think, I, yeah, well, that, I think their audience has changed. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I've had this discussion with people. I think their audience has changed. I was stunned at the effect that WWE pay-per-views have had on Collision. This this I week was the eye-opening one for a lot of people because what happened was is Collision Collision had a few of those weeks where we're up they were up against college football and it was like, oh man, they're going to get slaughtered by college football. That's just what's going to happen. And and I kind of thought the same thing as well. And then they started to tick up a little bit, even during good college football games, even during some good weeks. And it was like, oh, all right, well, hold on a minute. Collision's kind of stabilized at 500,000, 600,000, even during a big-time loaded college football night. So, okay, maybe this is good. And then this week comes, and it's 300,000 total viewers, and, and I forget the demo number, but it was some shit demo number. And it was like, holy fuck, they lost half their audience to no mercy, right? Like, the same, same yeah. good college football games were on both nights. Big time college football is on both nights. They lost half their audience to NXT No Mercy. And I really don't think that would have been the case in 2019. Hell no. Or 2021 Hell no. even. You know, I, I don't think that. I think the audience has changed. And I think it's it's partly a self-fulfilled prophecy with a lot of this type of stuff that the, the, the show has changed to some degree and continues to change. And it's drawing more of a of that kind of fan. And I think it has pushed away some of the other some of the fans who just want to see pro wrestling, you know, and I think it has pushed some people like us away. Um, and and I think that is what has a lot to do with what's happening to collision when they go up against WWE shows. And I think if I had to make a prediction right now, I think NXT is going to wipe the floor with them next week. It's, it's NXT's night, right? It's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. First, that's one huge advantage. Yep. So and, nor, normal you know, night for NXT and un, an irregular night for, for Dynamite. Irregular night. For, so that right there, boom, you're behind the eight ball. Number two, coming into this week, NXT just did more total viewers than AEW did this past week. The numbers that came in today. So they've got momentum coming into the week. And number three, they've totally loaded it up with John Cena and Cody and Paul Heyman. And, you know, I, I assume Becky Lynch is going to be on the show, right? She's the fucking champion. Yeah, yeah. She's not uh, announced yet, but I, I would almost be positive that, that I, I think because if we'll talk about it during a No Mercy review, if you're not going to move that title to Stratton that week, it's because you want Becky Lynch to pop a few more numbers for you, uh, particularly yeah. this week as NXT champion. So, yeah, yeah. Dominic won his title back, didn't yep. he? So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, Trick, trick be beat him the... at the pay-per-view and Dom won it back. So, yep. 
Right. So you're going to have all, you know, they're, they're totally loading it up. They're gonna on their night. The fuck out of it on raw, by the way, if you don't they're think they're going to talk about that thing all yeah. the time, they have every advantage here. And where is MJF? You can't find them with a search party. I, I, I just think it's, it's a bad look, man. It's a bad look. And, and look, this might be a dated piece of audio in, in 48 hours when they announce something on collision or, or maybe on Monday or Tuesday, they'll say that MJF's going to be on the show. I'm sure he'll be on it in some capacity. If he's not, that is really, really telling if he's not on the show at all, it's really, really telling. And you really have to question his guts if he's not on the show at all. But I mean, you know, it, it's, I'm sure he'll be on the show in some capacity, but he's not going to have a match. There's already six matches announced. They already have six matches announced. So he's going to be in a segment. There's not going to be a ton of time for segments with, with six matches on the show, especially six matches of those caliber. So is he going to have his traditional segment at the top of the hour that goes 19 minutes or whatever? I don't even think there's going to be time for that. I don't know, man. It looks shady to me. I, I you know, I, we got a little MJ Hogan here. This is, this is a Hogan move, man. This is a Hogan move. This is a Hogan move. Okay, as is making sure you're in the openers on the pay-per-views after All In. The, the pay-per-view that comes a week after All In that you don't think is going to do well. And then Wrestle Dream a month later. Making sure you're as far away from those main events as you can get. I'm just saying. Like like we talked about, like OJ, I'm just saying. It's like OJ on Twitter. Yeah, two, two matches when you get uh, you know 70,000 plus in the building. But uh, yeah, openers the rest of the times. And, and that world title can't squinting to see that world title. Okay, yeah, I guess we're not going to defend that world title on any of these shows ever. That's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I'm well, sure he'll be there. I'm I'm super curious, you know, I mean, because Swerve is on, is, it's Swerve, uh, not Swerve, uh, Jay White. Jay White is wrestling. Um, Hangman. Swerve is wrestling. Right, Swerve is wrestling Jay Danielson. Wrestling. Jay White's against uh, Hangman. Right, so Jay White's wrestling Hangman, so I'm sure MJF will have something to do with that, you would think, you know, after starting the program with, with Switchblade and already announcing the match and everything. But I mean, maybe not. I, I mean, it'll say a lot if he's not there. I think I, right now, if I had to make a prediction, I think NXT is going to wipe the floor with him. Uh, I would say too much working against AEW. a lot working against them. AEW's got that momentum going um, or, 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 or NXT has that momentum going. They've, they're going to load this thing up. They're going to bring big, you know, Cena is a, is a still a very tangible draw. No matter what people, you know, Reigns, you, you can talk about Reigns for whatever, but we, we, we say anytime you announce Cena, you put Cena on a show, he drives numbers, and, 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 and Cody drives numbers. I think there'll be particular interest in seeing Cody on a Tuesday going up against AEW. Will he say something? What is he going to say? Is he going to give any sort of backhanded, you know, uh, you know oh, man. What, I, I, I totally see the interest in that. I, I would absolutely see it. And, again, like I said, they're going to promote the shit out of it on, on, on Raw. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you that I think NXT, you know, they beat them in total viewers this week with a show that wasn't loaded up with a lot of stuff, you know, and it's going to be AEW going to an unfamiliar night, like you said. And, and, and yeah, I, I agree. I think NXT is going to wipe the floor with them. And, I don't know, maybe this is an eye-opening night and maybe this this gets us back on the right path but i don't know probably not so we'll just continue to move on and maybe and... he's not maybe he's blowing up tony khan's phone saying tony put me on the show man put me in hour quarter hours one right, four right. five and, and eight i'm begging you tony let me lead us into battle i am the good ratings getter look at my quarter hours let's do this maybe he's doing that maybe tony's like no max no you need the week off i don't know maybe that's the case what do you think um 
Maybe he's begging. I want Maybe. to take him on, Tony. Let's take him down. Let's go. You can count on me, your world champion. Just, I am your bastard. It's whatever just, his catchphrase is. You count scumbag. on me, Tony. Let's I'm do it. I'm your scumbag. Yeah, I, uh, I'm your scumbag, Tony. I'm your scumbag, you fucking Mark. Let's do it. Maybe, maybe that's what's happening. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Title Tuesday. I may put the world championship on the line on Title Tuesday in the big times ratings war against NXT. And you can't say they're not trying. Like I, Some people might say, well, they don't have to unload everything just for NXT. Uh, they're not punting. Motherfucker, look at, look lineup. at this lineup. Shane White versus Eggman Page. Swerve versus Brian Danielson. Those are, t- those are two pay-per-view. You know, we always brag on Tony for not booking big-time singles matches on his TVs or, or big-time singles matches in between pay-per-views, and you could do that. Motherfucker, Swerve versus Danielson. You could have easily done that on a pay-per-view. Jay White and Hangman Page, you can easily do that on a pay-per-view. Phoenix and Moxley, they've done it on, on, on TV. They could have held that one off for a pay-per-view since this was a rematch. I mean, just Swerve and Danielson and, and White and Hangman are like fucking pay-per-view level matches. Swerve and Danielson, no, are you punting. kidding me? They're not punting it. They're not anywhere near punting this show. Are you kidding? Like, so I, well, I know look, if they get if, if if he's not on the show or he's not in a prominent position and they get slaughtered, he could say, "Oh well, see." Yeah, well, shit. See, you need me. Yeah, I mean that's the game. That's been you know. Classic <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's it. That's classic NWO Hogan. Back? Yeah. Hogan's Hogan's move coming back right after football ended every year. Oh yeah, right? every year, every year. There he is, yeah, Voodoo Child playing on the speakers. Hey, there's 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 old Hulkster. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll say this, and this, listen, I promise, I'm not, I'm not taking a shot at you here. I, I'm going to say this though, Adam Copeland so far, nothing but impressive. Short sample, small sample size. Yeah, that promo was good. The promo was good. I'll admit it. You know that 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 Christian segment obviously was the highlight of Dynamite. Okay, but did you see him at the presser after the pay per view? That was good stuff. That I, I will admit that was good stuff from him. Man, you can't look. His attitude is obviously great. But does he you just know? know that's what people want to hear too? That, listen, they're pro wrestlers, Rich. Tokyo so Dome, Okada. <laughs> you know, that, he's a, he's a worker. He's a professional wrestler. Do remember Big that. smile on his face, great attitude. He's saying all the right things. Is all is all I'm saying. He's saying all the right things. He's coming across genuine. Is some of that performative? Is some of that performative for the fans? Is some of that performative for the boys in the back? Of course, it's pro wrestling. You always have to consider that stuff. But I will say, the little that we've got we've, that that we've seen from him so far, I, this is why I will remain open minded. That's all. I'm going to remain open-minded. The minute he pulls out a stool, I'm out. <laughs> but he's grabbing his hair. Uh, yeah. Pull out. Got the haircut, though. He got the haircut. He did get so. the haircut, yeah. So it's going to be tough look, to he, see. He, he, look, this is not a... This guy's been around the block. He changed his look. You know what I mean? Like, he knows what he's doing. Like, he's he's presenting a new version of himself, and he's saying all the right things. And... um. Like you're saying, he's bringing up, oh, I've never worked a Wrestle Kingdom. Like, what if, like, <laughs> right, it is, it is Adam Copeland like, voice. I'd love to face <laughs> Kazuchika Okada at the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> it's like, okay, brother, all right. It's like, you know who, you know the vibe, you know, last night on Dynamite, this is going to sound weird, maybe. The vibes he was giving me were Mick Foley. I, hmm. I, I was listening to him okay. talk, and I'm like, he's man, he's coming across like Mick Foley in, in, a, in a weird way, you know, and then, uh, 
He was gassed too. He got in the ring with Shivani and he was, Tony, I love you, but you got to hit the bricks <laughs> in between heaving. That man was gassed from his ring entrance. So uh, he better get back in the gym with his boys FTR and, uh, and get the cardio back up. Because remember, he's tight with FTR. Oh, yeah. yeah they they were more that. than happy to uh, – like, Phil's uh, gone, and, and then there's that clip of them going, <laughs> you know, hugging him when he's ready to go. So they, they got their new boys. Top guys have their new uh, the new favorite yeah. boys in, in town here. So that, that's – Absolutely. But listen, he's saying all the right things. Yeah. Um, both hey, his... uh, did he get them to 4,000 for uh, that Stockton show last night or what? He didn't. They got to 3825. Ah, darn. Wow. Yeah. Maybe next now, week. Now, listen – thousand tickets distributed after he was announced for the show are you impressed or not impressed? uh yeah that's impressive i mean it could lord can you imagine if he wasn't <laughs> i know they like, were gonna the, put the three thousand sh- people in that building less like twenty eight hundred. Uh, we just we just talked about the awa doing 2800 and laughing would- about them saying they should close up shop like they walked to that cow palace and said ah it's all over close up shop when they had twenty eight thousand. Well, yeah that show was such a bomb that russ francis retired Vern Gagne <laughs> stopped going to san francisco and the company closed them a year and a half later <laughs> right. and they, they almost did 28 if it wasn't for edge they would have done 2800 last night so I don't know. Maybe Max needs to pay more attention to, to the ticket sales. Holy shit. Have you seen what next week looks like? Independence, yeah, Missouri? Yeah, tell the people because I already oh know. Oh, my God. All right. So the setup for Independence, Missouri uh, is 3,200. Thus far, they have distributed. This is eight hours ago per Russell Ticks. 2,146. It's not good, man. It's Last time they good. were there, uh, they had 39,000 or 3,900, not 39,000. That'd be a big number for the Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence, Missouri. Well, uh, 3,912. Uh, Last time they yeah, were there. Yeah, that was in March. You know the significance of that show. Oh, you? of course I do. Yeah, that was the uh, the, let's all cut, let's all get microphones in the ring, four pillars, and talk about why we deserve to be in the main event. The four That's pillars. The show yeah. I identified as the beginning of this uh, television problem that they that they have struggled with for the rest of the year we've come full circle and we're back in independence missouri bring back the red white and blue ropes baby bring them back <laughs> why not fuck it why not great man they're at 2146 man <laughs> they haven't even they don't even they don't even have things set up for what they did last time they were there about a thousand less they've set up for so they already right out of the gates for title tuesday that show that we just told you about they're just like, eh, whatever. Well, just 3,200 people, whatever. How do you feel about the revisionist history of Edge and Christian being the greatest tag team of all time? Oh, my God. Here, I have a challenge for There was the definitely listeners. some people on Twitter, too, that were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. You know, I mean, them are the Hardys. I, it's them are the Hardys for sure. I would ask I would ask any of those people to name their favorite Edge and Christian match that didn't involve a ladder. <laughs> right. In fact, I'll take it a step further. Name name an Edge and Christian match <laughs> that, that didn't, didn't involve a ladder. Right, right. <laughs> Just give me one. Just say one. I mean, let alone one that we'll was We'll be here. Favorite. Yeah, we'll be here. Yeah. Now, listen, those were obviously highly influential of matches. Course, of course, of course, of course. Some of the greatest matches in the history of that company. I would never take that away. But, <laughs> and, I, and I, look, if you're AEW, your job is to promote. I, I understand. Okay, but they are not one of the greatest tag teams of all time. 
by any stretch of the imagination. I'm trying to think of, should I do the old Dylan Hales gimmick? How many tag teams do you think I can name that were better than Edge and Christian until I start to get to tag teams that might be better than Edge and Christian? That's actually uh, more of a Bill James gimmick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you think I'd get to 100? <laughs> Are we going to do this? No, 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 I'm not going to name them. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'd take a long time. That's a little, uh, Hypothetically, do you think I would be able to get to 100? Hypothetically, you, I think, could get could to 100. I, yes, because you are a... I confidently name 100 teams that were definitely better than Edge and Christian? I think you could. 100. I think maybe over the weekend, you should do a thought experiment on our Patreon and just, just write them down. You know what I mean? You don't have to explain oh, every okay. single team. Just sit down and write them all out and see what happens. Do you think I could get to 150? Um, 150... I think you're going to get t- – I think I would say that somewhere in like the 115, 120 range, you might start thinking about Edge Christian you, a little bit. Okay, so around the 115 range is where you start naming teams and you're like, ah, eh, they might have been better than Edge and Christian, like where it's debatable. Yeah, yeah, I think so. If you're counting Mexico, Japan, U.S., everything. Baby. Yeah, worldwide, yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be 115, 120 before you're like, eh, all right, maybe. <laughs> These guys are pretty close, so – See, I think confidently there's 300 teams to store. 300. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100 is not that many I, when you really think about it. I, I can I, – I, there's probably 50 current tag teams better than Magic <laughs> Is that pushing it? I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's even I, I, can I give you an example of what I'm of what I mean when I say that? Yeah. No, you're probably no. You're you're, you're when the you're, rubber you're, hits the road, and if I put the proverbial gun to your head, who's a better tag team with a better resume, Edge and Christian or the Astronauts? No, the Astronauts. See what I mean? I think I can get to like 50 now. <laughs> yeah, right. Considering you you started with the Astronauts, <laughs> you know, like who's ju- whose comp tape would you rather watch? Yeah, the Astronauts, 100. percent no, you know I mean, I mean oh, like... oh, hold on a minute. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to watch. Well, man, it's hard to say because the problem is, is like, as Take a kid, away ladders. I, oh, we're taking away ladders, right? Or you just What's well, the contest going to have the ladder matches, like I'm saying. But the problem that I'm going to say is that, like, when I was young, I love those matches. I, lo- I had, I had every, I had the fucking ladder match DVD they came out with WWE when they came out with it. I had a, a, an Edge Christian comp tape, I believe, even at that time, or maybe it was some sort of best matches of WWE in the year 2000 VHS or whatever. I love those matches then. That is me when I was, you know, 14 and 23 years ago, and about 10,000 ladder matches since then that I've watched. So. Um, that novelty might wear off a little bit. And the idea of watching a comp tape that's just a bunch of, you know, Edge of Christian ladder matches, eh, that might not, uh, might, not, not, might not have the same appeal to me. So, yeah, maybe I would watch the Astronauts uh, tape before Listen, I'd watch the, the Edge of Christian tape. I like Edge and Christian. But Edge and Christian are better in theory oh, of than course. what they really put on tape. People remember them doing the five-second pose and the goofy kazoos and the Los Conquistadors gimmick that they did for a little bit and and, and that sort of stuff. Legitimately smart and funny stuff. Yes. That I enjoyed. Take away the ladder matches and tell me your favorite Edge and Christian match. I challenge (laughs) anyone. This is all I'm saying. They're better in theory than in practice is all I'm saying. And and obviously, stuff that didn't involve bell to bell. That's all. I like I like them. I like both of those guys, well enough 
from that era. Good podcast too. Good good, good TV show. That the TV show they had on the, the network WWE was WWE Network show. Was very was, good. Was very funny. Yeah. Very funny. Legitimately funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, what else we got here? Well, that's NXT and uh, and WWE coming up next week. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that. I'm sure. Uh, on the flagship next week. Well, we're talking NXT. Let's continue it. NXT No Mercy, the premium live event uh, Saturday, of course, did a kill, d- d- destroyed Collision. Uh, Collision's number just absolutely cut into it uh, immensely. And uh, main event, you had Becky Lynch versus Tiffany Stratton. You had Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes. Uh, people love this show. Uh, I watched it. I think it was fine. Like, I, I, I saw a lot of people really praising this show before I had watched it, like like watching it in real time and being like, oh my God, what an unbelievable show. Um, not quite that. I mean, I, I Wrestle Dream, Joe, Wrestle Dream was 10,000 times better than this show, right? Like anybody who making any kind of one-to-one comparison between Wrestle Dream and No Mercy, uh, I don't know if you should listen to that person uh, anymore because I, I, well, I just... I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't think the kind of people who enjoy our podcast would make that one-to-one comparison. I will say that Compared to other NXT premium live events, ugh. It's um, gross. Yeah, by the way, when we say that, we're doing it with, like, the tongue in the cheek and, and groaning and disdain. Yes, do not th- – like, there's people earnestly calling them premium live events. Just let it be known that when we call them premium live events, we're rolling our eyes and we're laughing. And, and we're, we're I want to vomit every time I do it. So just so you know. This was better than your standard NXT premium live event slash pay-per-view. Definitely. Um, and I thought it was – I thought the final two matches were were really good. And I thought to me there was only one match on the show that I that I didn't think that I that I thought was bad. And of course it involved Dominic. So you know, and the rest of it was just fine. So was it as good as Wrestle Dream? No. It wasn't anywhere in the same universe as Wrestle Dream, but um you know, NXT, listen. I watched almost two months worth of NXT to prepare for my preview of this show last week when you were gone. And granted, here's the giant disclaimer. I fast forwarded anything that involves someone that I know stinks. And I fast forwarded most of the little sketches or vignettes or skits that they do. So with that disclaimer, I thought the TV wasn't nearly as bad as it as it used to be. <laughs> you only watched it for ten ago. minutes every week, though. It's yeah, not, I'm watching it's like not a bad show. Yeah, when you right. can watch it in ten minutes. If you, I'm watching like thirty five minutes of a two hours. Skip show. everybody who stinks. Yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, you know, so that that is a giant disclaimer. But the the this pay per view I didn't think was that bad, and in fact, um, I thought the main event was great. I thought the Becky Thank Lynch, you. Tiffany I, Stratton. I, 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 that was going to be my hot take. Is is everyone's well, giving? Well, I, everyone's giving Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes all these flowers and talking about how it's one of the most brutal matches they've ever seen and one of the best, you know, one of the best NXT matches ever and all this sort of stuff. I think that match was good. I think it was really, really good. Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes. I think Lynch and Stratton blew that match away, and I cannot believe that I'm going to come on this show. And and I couldn't believe when I was watching it, I was like, God damn it, I'm gonna come onto the show and talk about an extreme rules match in WWE that features people going through barricades and people going through tables and people hitting each other with kendo sticks and people spraying fire extinguishers at one another because that is like 
every single Extreme Rules match you've ever had in this entire company. Any single hardcore match, every single weapons wild match, all this other bullshit that they do in NXT and WWE. This is every one of those matches because it contains all those other things. But this was not every one of those matches. This was really good. <laughs> and I, I cannot believe that I'm going to say that. I cannot even believe it, it, that, that when that match was over, I went, holy shit, that match fucking rocked. I think Becky was fantastic in it, and I think Tiffany Stratton is... I, I they got something with her. I, you got to get the 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 robotic Barbie voice has got to go, and I don't know if that's her real voice or I don't know if that's just her character voice or whatever. I don't like that shit. I think it's terrible. They probably love it in that company. Other than that, I think you, she's she's ready to go if you need anything else. Like I, I think in terms of carrying herself like a star, in terms of what she can do in the ring, in terms of selling, in terms of offense, in terms of charisma, all that sort of stuff, she's got it. The robotic Barbie voice is about the only thing that I think she doesn't have right now, and that's pretty unbelievable given where she was just a year ago. So so credit to hey, them and credit to her. Yeah, I mean, I've been on the Stratton bandwagon for a while. Um, she's going to be a massive star. I don't think there's any doubt. She was more impressive than Becky in that match, and, and, and I thought Becky was very good, but when it was over, it was like, holy fuck, like, Tiffany Stratton's a star if they want her to be. Yeah, she's she's coming along very nicely. She was always a, a blue chip, A++ prospect. I've written about her a million times. And um, it was it was very obvious in this match. You know, it's funny because people were very high on the title change that aired on TV, and I didn't think a ton of that match. I thought it was fine. Nah, I, 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 didn't, that I was, didn't love that match. I didn't love that match. Yeah, I'm the same. I thought that match was overrated. You got to be careful with NXT. People severely overrated people really want to like nxt for some reason and i don't know why they want to love it so bad and it's like all right reel it in man it's not that good it's okay yeah they severely overrate it but um this match legitimately was great and um i agree with you that it was better than the Ilya dragunov carmelo hayes match which i had you know i saw brian alvarez call this the most physical match in wwe history did he not watch the Ilya dragunov walter matches yeah, I was going to say. they were more physical than this one. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, most of Ilya Dra- This was, listen, I'm not trying to knock this match. I had this match at four and a quarter. Okay? It was one of the but, tamest Dragunov matches I've seen of him in this entire recent memory of, like, all of his big-time matches. This is, like, I don't know, just as physical as all. If you're, I'm talking about, like, main event level, high level, title matches or whatever. Yeah, this was no... I mean, I, hell, the one at Great American Bash, I think, felt a little bit more physical. And 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 and, and I don't know. I was kind of shocked when I saw Brian say that. I was like, I don't know. Did you miss all the all the Walter matches? Because I think those ones, you know, those were like sickening. Some of those were like some of those capital wrestling ones. There's that one. I forget what it oh, is. Pan- I think the pandemic one from NXT oh, UK. Oh, my God. Was, yeah. Yeah. That was a five star match. I mean. And was was that was one of the most brutal. That was probably the most brutal match. In that it, exactly the one I was thinking but, of is is like watching. That was one of those matches that it was like it was enhanced by it being during the pandemic. Yes, it's oddly like, enough. Yes, what are these guys? These guys are just in this weird room, fucking killing each other. It's just two like, guys holy. in a dungeon bludgeoning. <laughs> yeah, it's like what the fuck? And it ruled. Right. You were like, this is better because in front of a crowd it would have been cool because the crowd would have. But it was like even better because it's like, what are these idiots doing? Why are they doing this to themselves? They don't have to yeah. do this. Two guys in a dungeon bludgeoning one another, and it's like, am I on Pornhub or the network? <laughs> right. Why am I watching this? So, Why am I enjoying um, this? What's wrong with me? You know, like, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, so this wasn't at that level from a phys- physicality standpoint. The one thing you have to remember, and, and I just use Brian's tweet because you know um, he's a big time pundit, and he can he can handle everyone. It. Everyone it's, ragging it's like, on Brian this week. Yeah, Christian rail taking the guy over the coals. You got it. 
Yeah, but it's like he wasn't alone. It's like here's what I think happens sometimes too with NXT. Like WWE fans aren't used to a match like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like we kind of we see like to me that you know what that the Dragon Off Carmelo Hayes match was like a like a like a higher end Noah N one match. That's what it was. You know, um, it was Goshiozaki and Manabu Soya just chopping the shit out of each other and and doing some meat slap and wrestling that that's kind of what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't some super over the top physical match that made my skin crawl. But if you're a WWE fan, I can kind of see where you might think that, you know, if you're Brian Alvarez, who I can guarantee you wasn't watching NXT UK and isn't locked into the N (laughs) one. Right. Probably not watching. Yeah. Probably not watching too much N one over there in the, uh, the Alvarez household. Right. Like, like, and again, that's not me picking on him. You know, so yeah, Bri- Brian's favorite Cano match. What do you think Brian's favorite Cano match was of the last exactly. uh, couple of years? Yeah, exactly. But so I preferred the Becky Lynch Tiffany Stratton match. And, and and like you, I was stunned because I'm like, ugh, WWE, it's extreme rules. This is going to fucking stink. But I don't know. We must be sharing a brain here because it didn't most of their types of match. But Becky has just been working her ass off lately. I mean, she tried so hard to bleed in that cage match last month or whenever it was. And she couldn't, she tried to bleed hard way and she couldn't get herself to bleed. Right. Cause you can't bleed in that company. So they, they, they think the safest, less barbaric way is to throw your head yeah. <laughs> into a steel cage until it busts open hard way. And she tried like hell until she had a just gigantic fucking knob on her forehead. And, and she never quite got that. never got the blood flowing, unfortunately, but to be fair, they don't want them doing that either. But, these wrestlers want to have artistic merit to their matches and they want to do things like that. Becky Lynch wants to be a pro wrestler and mm-hmm. bleed, you know, and it's, it's, um, you know, they're not telling her to go out there and, uh, you can't run the razor, but go out there and smash your face into the kid. Like they don't want her to do that either, but she's been working really hard. And, and I thought that this match was, you know, it blew me away with how with how great it was, and I did think it was it was better than the Dragon Off Hayes match, but they were both great matches, well worth anybody's time. Um, moving down the card, you know, real I, I quick, love the real quick on the main stuff. event, real quick, were you kind of surprised that they did not move the title to Stratton here? Because I think this would have been a great opportunity to do it, aside from the fact that you have AEW coming up this week and 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 the tangible ratings draw and Becky. This felt you like know, a moment to have Stratton win it back, but. I get, there's time maybe, but I, I don't know if they're going to put her on the main roster or not. So it could be losing up. True, true. But um, yeah, and and to be, I I got to be honest, I don't think too hard about what they're going to do with these NXT titles. Uh, but but I think that it's 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 possible that maybe she's just not going to be. I think she's ready to move up. Oh, for, she's mean, ready. She's ready. Move her up. You know so. From that standpoint, now as far as the, the Heritage Cup, I love that gimmick. Did you watch any? I know the answer. Why am I even asking? Did you, Did you watch any of like their fake G one thing? For the no, I kind of I had a perverse interest so, in it, but I never ended up actually watching it. But I, I've Joe Gagne kept me updated on on a lot of it. So you didn't miss anything. I it, it was very disappointing. The Akira Tozawa matches were all on level up. <laughs> the uh, 
I wanted to really, I wanted to see the Akira Tozawa matches and I wanted to watch Regal's kid and most of their matches were relegated to level. <laughs> well, I do know that so, because I was doing uh, Cruiserweight Classic stuff for the Sky's the Limit series and had to update people that Akira Tozawa, uh, his current WWE run is uh, happening on level up, which was uh, yeah. just absolutely disturbing and I wanted to cry. And he didn't score any points and the one match he wrestled on TV was basically a squash. But, um, you know, Butch got through the tournament. And the Butch Tyler Bate match in the tournament was very disappointing too. Just to think that they had like one of the greatest <laughs> matches you'll ever see. That you were there live, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fucking incredible. And I, one of my favorite matches to be at live because I remember when it when when those guys hit the ring, it was me, my friends, and like twelve other people that were like, "Yeah, let's go!" You know, because nobody knew who these fuckers were, but we did, and we were like, "Hey, this is gonna be awesome!" And by the time that was over, that entire arena was chanting "UK, UK," and you know, just like going absolutely fucking nuts about the, that match and those guys. So yeah, that's always one of my great like that like building a crowd and getting a crowd and gaining a crowd throughout a, a wrestling match. That was one of my favorite, and you could hear it. I, I went back and watched it, and it holds up. Um, it holds up as well that like. You could hear in the building, not many people care at the beginning, and by the end, it just goes absolutely fucking bonkers in that, that arena. But uh, yeah, well, now with Tyler Bate, he's aged 27 years in the last five, so that, you know, it's not going well for him. So, yeah, I've, I've liked some of the other Heritage Cup matches better than this one. This one didn't do much for me. I thought never ended. I can't believe. Can you? I, I, I copy and pasted this from Cage Match. This says that this match was only 15 minutes and 53 seconds. I don't believe that. Well, I got the rounds and. You know, it's this thing never fucking ended. It was, yeah, I, I didn't love this either. I thought there was the there was the uh, a kernel of a good match in here, uh, but when it was all done, uh, Vic Joseph uh, summed it up perfectly. He said it took seven people to beat Butch tonight, and I was like, "Yep, <laughs> it kind of did," and that's kind of why I was over it. It's you know this. I don't know why they did non Heritage Cup rules in the tournament to determine the Heritage Cup challenger. They just did regular matches with twelve minute time limits. <laughs> It's Shawn Michaels rounds. NXT, baby. You just got to – the Iron Challenge Survivor thing is coming back again. Did you see that? Oh, God. We could do the that rule thing. Mess. Very easy to understand yeah. rules to that again. I can't Very wait. Very easy. Very easy. <laughs> it's simple, really. Um, yeah, the, no, yeah I, I, I thought if you just let Noam Dar and Butch have a wrestling match, I think it would probably be better than this every other time. But they wanted to get you know metaphor and all those guys involved and Gallus had to get involved and Noam Dar had to cheat and be a chicken shit the entire time. So I don't know. I, I didn't land with me. I also love how they're still calling him Butch, but making it clear that it's, it's Pete Dunn. Yeah. And cutting Former promos. NXT he's like, champion. I, I used to be here and now I, and now I'm yeah. coming back. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Oh good. He's Pete Dunn again. <laughs> and then it's like, butch. And I'm like, what? And so they're still calling him butch. Like, what are we doing? He's also Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I don't know so. what that was. I don't know what that was. I but. used to be here. I used to be here. Now I'm coming back. Yeah. It's not a tumor. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> but I, I, I they're doing this promo, and I'm like, all right, here we go. And then he he comes out, and he looks like Pete Dunne. And I'm like, all right, he's Pete Dunne again. And they're like, ah, it's Butch. And I was like, oh, all right. Or the, the growling ring announcer lady goes, ah, it's Butch. I, and I was like, fucking hate her. The worst. I hate her. So much. Carmelo. Hey. Oh, my God. Just say the fucking name. <laughs> right. What does that add to anything? I don't know. It's the house style, though, too. Yeah, they do it. They have the one on the main roster yep. who does that. Mm -hmm. 
And there was a while where uh, the backstage girl, the one that left and then came back, what's her what's her face? Uh, Kathy Kelly. Kathy Kelly. She was doing ring announcing for a while. And she would growl on NXT. She would growl. So they tell you to growl. She was growling too? Okay. It's a house style to growl. I don't understand. When you say a name, growl. <laughs> why, why is that being told to people? But it is. And Alicia Taylor of NXT is is absolutely the worst. But yeah, you can run down oh, the rest of the card. God, now. I would if I if, if I ever like like if I hypothetically took over the company, I would fire her into the sun immediately. She'd be she'd be the first person I'd fire. I I and then That's... the one from Raw can go. Just... <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry. God. Sorry, but Rick O'Shea. First. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The NXT yeah. one for sure. And then sorry, Rick O'Shea, but uh, your lady's getting getting the pink slip. So four way NXT tag title gimmick. I don't know. I talked. We talked about this when we talked about Wrestle Dream. I'm just over these kinds of matches. Um, it was fine, I guess. My eyes glaze over. Like, yeah, my eyes glaze over. What do you think of Out the Mud? Out the Mud. Yeah, I I, I think this is the first time of uh, of seeing Out the Mud, and uh, yeah. And Booker T it appears to be Booker T's first time ever seeing that either. I know it's not, but he he's he's a revelation on NXT commentary, man. Every every match is a new match for him. He doesn't know any of the rules. He knows nothing going on. Vic Joseph yeah, just in, increasingly getting more annoyed by him. And it's not even like the playful gorilla and, and Bobby stuff. It's like Booker T was like, Oh, he's a four time champion, Vic. He's a four time champion, Vic. And Vic just stops for a second, and goes, Three time champion book. <laughs> Just like, yeah, he's like, ah, I know what I said, Vic. <laughs> just like, what yeah. is it's just so bad. I mean, Vic's just lost, yeah. Out, out the mud, uh, they were not very good. Uh, I couldn't believe scripts. I saw scripts out there, and I was like, I thought I swore scripts got released, but scripts did not get no. released. Apparently, I thought he was scripts manages out the mud. <laughs> I swore scripts was one of the guys that got released. Do you see their customized NXT nameplates are in the style of Grand Theft Auto? I do. Yeah, a little Grand Theft the Mud. Yes. <laughs> the mud. If you've never seen um, Out the Mud, they they look like what was the uh what was the name of Camacho and the Tongan guys that were told to be Fuck, what were those guys' names? It was Camacho. Camacho. Yeah, Camacho. Well, who's the other one? Wasn't there another guy? I forget if it was there was um, another guy or just Camacho. Who did Tangaloa team with? Yes, in when he was a fake Hispanic it was, guy. It was, it was, um, it was, uh, um, the, the, the Sin Cara. Oh, Hunico, 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 right. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. They kind of yeah. have like that vibe going where it's just like somebody that. Yeah, they wear like street clothes. Right. Somebody that knows clothes. nothing about street culture that they didn't know from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. <laughs> like that's their, right. that's their frame of reference for. They're, their vibe is 1991 Los Angeles street culture. <laughs> right. There's somebody that wants. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> Led to the ring by Scripps. <laughs> but also Scripps is there too. So. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the creeds. Are we going to shit or get off the pot? They've been right, in NXT right, right. for 10 years. Like, what are we doing yeah. here? Yeah, out the mud um, is if your only frame of reference for anything urban is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and Boys in the Hood, that's that's what out of the mud is. Pretty much. Out the mud, yes. <laughs> right. That's the aesthetic. Uh, yeah, this match, who cares? Who cares? It's just whatever. Yeah, the creeds feel like they've been there forever, and I, I feel like if you don't think they're ready now, but I don't know. I don't even care. Why am I talking about yeah, this? Yeah, right. You got um, 10,000 people there. Just, yeah. You could probably just release them if you don't think they're ready, but anyway. Trick Williams beats Dom. He lost it back on TV. I've been a big proponent of Trick Williams basically since he debuted. I still say he has more upside than Carmelo Hayes. 
That's no guarantee, though, because Carmelo Hayes, to me, has the higher floor. Yes. Because um, he's more of a finished product, but Trick, I don't see any more. Trick is pretty rough think, still. Trick is pretty rough. Trick still. is green as fuck, okay? And that's the thing. He has a really long way to go. Like, he is a development. Like, the Creeds, they don't need to be there. Tiffany Stratton, she needs to move on. Trick Williams has legitimate years of work to do. And I don't know if he's going to get there. But um, this match wasn't any good. It's a Dominic Mysterio match, so he he just is what he is, and he just stinks. And none of his, his matches are never good. Um, you know, and Dragon Lee took the biggest bump in the match <laughs> as the referee. Yes, because by the way, Dragon and, Lee uh, was the special guest referee with his mask and the <laughs> referee shirt. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you watch the TV, which you didn't, <laughs> no, you don't blame me for no. it. Made, it made sense, kind of. But uh, it's just Mustafa funny. Ali just disappeared. Just oh, yeah. Where did he go? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what happened to him. But, um, yeah. And then we had Baron Corbin and Braun Breakar in the opener. I didn't I hate, know. I did not hate that match. It's fine. It was pretty, it was pretty okay. And I probably would have had Braun beat him, but they're going for heat, you know, capital H heat, uh, there through the set. Yeah. Was that, or was that on TV? I can't remember. I think that was on the TV. Yeah. Here. I thought, I forget what Baron did to win here, but he nefariously defeated Braun here, but, uh, yeah, breaker looked good. Good enough. Okay. He's not, he's not a main, he's not a, that dude, if there's no main event, main roster in his future, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's just a dude. That's fine. Who Braun breaker. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, I mean, people think he's going to be a megastar. No, he ain't a megastar. I mean, he will be if they want him to be because it doesn't really. They just say who's a megastar. That's and true. You just have to, you know. So it's just a matter of of saying it enough and and giving them spots to do yeah. it, and then playing right. thunderous applause to dot wave, and then yeah, whatever. Right. Um. Yeah. So I mean, the show had two great matches at at the back end, and it was a perfectly fine show. Before that, I, I, you know, I think that. You know, a lot of times WWE fans, they don't, who don't watch a lot of other stuff, they see a show like this and they think it's like really great because it's just a frame of reference thing, is what I think it is. You know, um, even a lot of people who in the wrestling media and stuff who watch some, some of them only watch WWE and AEW and they often prefer WWE's presentation and all this other bullshit that we hate. So to them, it lifts these shows up, you know? So I will say the best thing about this is there was no Roxanne Perez. We were spared Roxanne Perez on this show, which is always a good thing. Did you watch, um, I have a really weird comp for you. You ready for this one? Let's do it. You know, tall gun, the taller Austin, I believe is the tall one, right? Yeah, the one that has no prayer of being a saint. <laughs> right, Colton. Gun. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. Oh. Well, actually, shit. Is it Colton? I don't know which one is which. Sorry. Tall, that's why I said tall gun. I don't know who <laughs> Thank they are you. The tall gun, I know who you're talking no. about. Yeah. I don't know which one's the tall one, actually. The next time tall gun <laughs> is given the microphone, you're never going to be able to unsee this. Thing oh, no. Or unhear it. And they and they should probably stop giving him the mic because he's terrible and he's never going to be a good talker. I think Short Col- gun can talk. I think Colton's short a tall one. Talk. I think Colton's a tall one again. I'm sticking with tall and short. Okay, that's probably a better move. Short gun can talk. Short gun has a good look. Short gun has some energy. He's got a chance. Tall gun has no chance. But my <laughs> point here is they give tall gun the mic, 
he promos exactly like Roxanne Perez. And I know that sounds wacky, but the next time you hear tall gun with that, next time he has the microphone, listen, same cadence, same everything. That's not good. Tall gun and Roxanne Perez. Same promos. Did you see Roxanne got uh, her uh, her big promo on uh, this? I, I did see that clip. Somebody People send me Roxanne Perez promos now oh, all the time. Oh, she means business now, Rich. She goes, she means business. I know you have all of your accolades, Becky Lynch, but now you yes. are in NXT where I have also been the NXT. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah. God, what is happening here? Yeah, awful. I have been as nice as I could possibly be, but now I mean business. You're in my town. You're in my world. This is my company. It's like, okay. Uh, Okay. Okay, Roxy. Prodigy. All right. Anyway. Not exactly, uh, you know, Buddy Rose wanting the new guy in the territories. So bad. Well, that was NXT. But this was. Yeah. By NXT standards, this was a good show. No, I mean, most of the time when we do these NXT PLE I wanna, reviews, I hang yeah, we're, we're like, all right, that could we could never watch these again. This got to be the last one we watch, right? I didn't have that yeah. thing after this. I was like, yeah, you know what? This is a pretty decent professional wrestling show. So that that again, startling given uh, where NXT was a year ago, fuck where AEW was a year ago, and now it's like shit. <laughs> NXT's got some stuff that's actually good. <laughs> it's 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 pretty wild, but uh, there you go. Well. Uh, I know I'll be channel flipping next Tuesday as well, which, by the way, NXT television fucking stinks, by the way. So that I, I'm not too – I'm not it's planning on doing better. a whole lot of – It's a, li- it's a little it's better. A little I'm not planning on doing a whole you, lot of channel changing, though. But um, If you skip everything that's bad, like <laughs> I did, it's a little better, which probably isn't fair. But, you know. Well, speaking of PLEs, uh, Joe, we have uh, one coming up from WWE this weekend that nobody, I'm sure everybody knows about this and nobody forgot about this at all. Uh, Roadblock End of the Line coming up this weekend on Peacock, peacock.tv.com. Uh, by the way, we got that uh, the WWE shop link. People were asking us, hey, how can I buy WWE merchandise uh, from you guys? Uh, you can. Uh, starting tomorrow, voiceswrestling.com slash WWE. So if you want uh, day one-ish shirts or whatever fucking LA night shirt there is uh all available at voicesofwrestling.com slash WWE. So we'll uh we'll try to try to make sure that we uh integrate plugs uh in the future when we see a particularly great WWE shop uh shirt. We'll we'll try to do that. But voiceofwrestling.com slash WWE tomorrow. By the time most of you guys listen to this we'll be live and you can uh purchase any WWE shop material there. Uh so Roblox end of the line main event by John Cena and LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. Thoughts, Joe? About to... John Cena and LA Knight. John Cena and LA Knight will be facing Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa in a tag team professional wrestling match at the uh, PLE. They sure this... will. They absolutely will. They sure will. John Cena's back. I mean, I don't know. Um... <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Yeah. I don't know what to add. <laughs> I... L- you know, Jimmy a- Uso, Solo Sokoa. Yeah. yeah. These guys are in the bloodline. So we'll see. Yeah, they are. They're Well, yes, those are two men that are in the bloodline. <laughs> That's right. And they're teaming against John Cena and L.A. Knight. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> God. Uh, this will be a great Let match. Let me talk to him. He's gonna, is he going to talk to him? I think he'll talk Let to him. Let me talk to him. I think he's going to say, yeah. 
I think he's gonna. Yeah, I think does it's he all say gonna... let me talk to him, or did, is that a Eli Drake thing? That might be an Eli Drake thing. I'll be honest. I don't no, maybe think he it says, is. Let me let me talk to you. Let me talk to him. <laughs> let me talk to you. He does the thing with his hand when they say L.A. Knight. Oh yeah, I do like it too. He used to do it, Eli Drake. Yeah, I still to this day do it. And he says dummy, but he he didn't say. He says yeah. He doesn't say dummy. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he says, says yeah. He says dummy. Yeah. No, he doesn't say dummy. Oh, he used to say dummy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He used to say dummy. Yeah, and then slap the button. Yeah. Right. No. Yes, I know. He says yeah, but he doesn't say dummy. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. He says, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what he said. He yes. doesn't say dummy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just say yes. Correct. So can... <laughs> correct. Yeah. <laughs> there. I will stop right. this by saying correct. Um, right. Speaking of tedious and <laughs> too long. Uh, <laughs> last man standing match. Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura at this uh, PLE. I cannot wait. It's for my favorite thing in WWE uh, uh, to hear referees count to seven. I, man. We'll freaking count him. Count him. <laughs> I thought this shit was Bye. over when he just. I when thought he, so too, man. Nothing fucking ends. It's all. It keeps not more this is the hot company. Time. How is this the fucking hot company? How do you? Lo- how are you losers in AEW? Fucking losing to these guys. What are you doing? <laughs> this is what's beating your ass. Are you kidding me? <laughs> God. <laughs> God. What? <sighs> the last man standing match with Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> He beat him clean last he beat him time. Clean What's as a the fucking sheet. Clean as a Why? fucking sheet. Yes, he Why did. Why are we doing this again? <laughs> he he beat him clean with a broken back. Like what? What's the justification? Right. Shitsuke said your back is broken. Seth said you are right. My back is broken. Then he beat him clean with his move. Yeah, he never he never wins Nakamura. <laughs> Five. Count him. Count it. <laughs> Six. Can't wait. Seven. Gonna be great. Seven. God, stay down. <laughs> stay down. I can't. I'm just. I'm. I'm it's gonna be Seth Rollins as portrayed by Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> count him. Count him. Yeah. Yeah. Count him. <laughs> count him. <laughs> count, count him. WWE Women's Title Triple Threat Match: Io Sky defending the title against Asuka. And Charlotte Flair, because the constant yes. of any women's title match in this company over the last decade is that two people that have a natural rivalry will face each other, but then also Charlotte Flair will be in that match for no reason. Well, wait till Vince gets a load of Tiffany Stratton. Oh, be, my God. Uh, yeah, he's going he, to gonna tell Charlotte to hit the fucking bricks. Right? He's got a new one. Curtain. Yeah, it's going to be that meme where he's looking at Gary Stratum, where he's like impressed and then more impressed and then falling off the chair impressed. You know what Vince means? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's for gonna, sure. That's going to be Vince. Someone needs to make one with Tiffany Stratton. That's going to be it for Charlotte. I wonder, do you think they've deliberately not shown him Tiffany yet? Because she'd made awesome. event WrestleMania this year if he had a chance. That's like everything that he's ever wanted in, in, in a women's wrestler all put together right there with Tiffany. It is. It's a power lifter, muscles, blonde. Power lifter? She used to be. Now she's a little more. Really? Yeah, yeah. Is that her background? Be, yeah. She used to be pretty, uh, pretty big into that. Uh, but yeah, she's got she's got the muscles, she's got gigantic breasts, which also help. Are we are we talking about the same person? Tiffany Stratton is a power lifter. With she muscles? used to be. Uh, she used to, uh, She's got pretty big muscles. Yeah, you gotta you gotta look at her a little bit more. She's got pretty big. She's not as big as she used to be. She's slimmed down a little bit. 
but uh, enough. And then, yeah, giant boobs and blonde, and yeah, it'll work. It'll work well for oh, him. Oh, we so. forgot. Asuka, the Empress of Tomorrow, is on NXT Tuesday too. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so there's Charlotte Flair, uh, Io, and Asuka. I'm sure that will be a, uh, a dandy of a triple threat match. Uh, also on this Roadblock End of the Line show, Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits versus LWO. And that is it. It's just Bobby Lash and the Street Pops versus the LWO. All right. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. I got. I I'm trying to think what I could possibly say. I can't fill lie in to even listen. a half a yeah. second of time of LWO versus Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. All I know is this is the company that's just wiping the floor with AEW, and I'm stunned and and, and shocked. And we lost the war, Joe. It's all over. So, um, and then finally. WWE Raw tag team titles and the WWE SmackDown tag team titles. The Judgment Day, Damian Priest and Finn Balor versus Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of people really excited. Vroom, vroom. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, maybe it'll be all right. I don't know. So I guess Stratton I was more of a gym. Stratton was more of because people are correcting me as it more of a gymnast, but she did yeah, a lot I didn't of think lifting. She was though, a power lifter. Well, I mean, not power. She's pretty. I don't think she was a weightlifter. I, I, uh, I think she. I don't think that. I, I don't right. think she lifted weights. I don't right. think she was a weightlifter. I don't. Thinking of. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, what's her face. What's the fuck? She's doing the makeover now. On uh, they put her in leather now, and now it's supposed to be like, oh my gosh, she's like. A fish out of water with her leather. Uh, what the hell's her name? The, your least favorite person in the in on earth. Oh God, that could be a number of people. <laughs> no, the NXT girl that you hate more than anybody. Um, like your least favorite wrestler on on planet oh, Earth. Oh, oh my God, that that oh the little fucking uh, <laughs> the one for name now. Yeah, uh, the hell's her name? I, I'm so glad Why I don't remember her name, and I'm, I don't want to remember her name. It's so good. It's not Ivy Nile. It's not I the keep... little gremlin. No, yes. I like Ivy Nile. Yeah, the I keep thinking gremlin. of Ivy Nile. It's not Ivy Nile because Ivy Nile. The little was... gremlin that was in Chase U. Yes. Um, and now the chat room has nothing. Thea Hale. There it is. Thank you. Oh fuck yeah, Thea Hale. Yeah, no. Now she see she's not a kid anymore. No, she? no, no. She's an so... adult. Yeah. So then J uh, C Jane. Uh, or what, yeah. what did you used to call her? Uh, Toxic Attraction 3. <laughs> yeah, Toxic Attraction 3 is taking her for a makeover. <laughs> so they're Yes. <laughs> this is the bullshit that, that AEW is looking at and going, ah, you know, we need more of this. This we is how we're going to win this yes. war. It's more of this. So JC Jane, Toxic Attraction 3, takes Thea Hale to a makeover. And then they, um, they do, you know, they go... And she's not so sure about it. I, if, by the way, this, it's probably on YouTube if you want to see it. It's fucking deplorable. Well, she's but, not a kid anymore. Really. Yeah, she's not, not a kid, a kid anymore. anymore. But she, it took her a little while for it because JC's like, we got to get you new clothes. You can't be just wearing these college gear all the time. So she takes her and, and the goes, no, no, no. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to try anything out. I'm too. I'm too nervous. I, I just want to wear what I was wearing before. And JC Jane's like, no, you're an adult now. You have to wear real clothes. And then they do this fashion show, and Thea Hill comes out, and she's got like a dress on, and, and JC Jane's like, "Yeah," and JC Jane's like, yeah, "It looks good. I, I like it." And, and Thea Hill's like, "It's not me. It's not me. I don't like it." And then she goes back. But then Joe, you're never gonna believe this. A couple minutes in, she starts to starts to have fun a little bit. She starts to say, "Ah, you know what? I like this. I'm look at this skirt that I'm wearing." And JC Jane's going, "Yeah, that's more like it. That's what it's like." 
dude, it's fucking awful. <laughs> like, I'm describing it exactly how it is. And then she starts feeling herself a little bit, and then she comes out and she's wearing leather. And even JC Jane's like, whoa, that's too much. And that's the comedy. Is now she's full on like wearing leather. And I think she had like some Instagram thing where she's like, it's not a phase, dad, or whatever. This is NXT, by the way. This is what's gonna wipe the fucking floor with AEW next week, right? You sure sound like someone who doesn't watch NXT. Rich. I, I I prepped. I prepped in front of No Mercy, baby. All as, right. As you I think while you were, I think somewhere in there, while you were describing that, the Fightful account said, I'm loving these Thea Hale segments. <laughs> right. This is hilarious. Cry emoji, cry emoji, cry emoji. Hashtag NXT. Yeah. Uh, listen, here's the thing, though. Don't worry for all you Thea Hale lovers out there. She still makes really annoying faces. and Right, right. Sounds. While she's wearing like that, leather, she makes funny faces. and That hasn't gone away. Like, she still makes these really stupid faces and her eyes bug out. And she makes weird gremlin-like sounds. So that hasn't gone away. You still get all of that in the Thea Hale package. Now, she's ripped. She may have been a yes. power lift. No, no, no. Okay. Not, I, want, I, want to, I want you to apologize to me. So maybe she wasn't. Okay. She was into bodybuilding. Very heavy in the bodybuilding. Look at Tiffany Stratton from two, three years ago. Much right. more muscular than she is today. I, I, I posted a pic in the note of chat room if anybody wants to uh, see it. This, this woman was very much into uh, muscles and, and, and bodybuilding and powerlifting and that sort of stuff uh, a couple of years ago. So just, just want to point doing, that out. Listen, I, I'm sorry, Rich. I'm doing my own research. Okay, do your um, own research. Follow her. Um, scroll. You'll see. You'll see what I'm saying. Yeah. Go ahead and knock yourself out. Yeah. Power lifter, though? I don't uh, maybe know. not power lifter. Was... Maybe, maybe, maybe power lifter is not the correct term, but she's yeah, pretty big. They're all, they're all these broads are come from the fitness world, right? Isn't that what they do? They sort do of. Fitness competitions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. She's, uh, she's kind of ripped in some of these pictures. Yeah. See what I'm saying? She was a gymnast. You've oh, always wait, said, I don't... you've always said that those, those are the people to try to get. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, they should definitely, the, the gymnast pipeline is not uh, exploited nearly enough in pro wrestling. Uh, but just want to note uh, that one of the reasons I also watched that uh, Thea Hale, JC Jane thing was uh, Sue Williams wrote a great piece about it, uh, MJF. He's not mad, he's disappointed. A uh, MJF column up at voiceswrestling.com, by the way, uh, right now. Looks like Straton at one point was dating uh, Axel Dieter Jr. or whatever oh, yeah. his WWE cool. name is. I don't know his name. Can't remember his name. Oh, Ludwig Barcel. Uh, Ludwig Kaiser, right? Ludwig Kaiser. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ludwig Kaiser. Yeah. I don't know how old this is, but I'm doing my own research, Rich. Doing my own research. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Got it. Got to do some research on that. But uh, there you go. The so that handsome is... fella. I could understand. Ah, uh, Ludwig. Yeah, yeah. The handsome guy. Right. Nice Classic hair. Chiseled, good looks. Yeah. Yeah. Nice hair. Nice haircut. Good haircut's key. Gotta have a good haircut. Um, Was dating him, though. Not uh, Doesn't appear that they're uh, an item anymore. Uh, they're on the outs, huh? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm asking you. You seem to know it all, so I'm asking you. I don't know. I found an article. I don't know if it's... Okay. So... You know these kids? Yeah, these whirlwind, whirlwind romances. Yeah, yeah. Love is fickle. Hot young people, you know, they... they do their own thing anyway a lot of fish in the pc that was bad i apologize <laughs> oh god i just got it that was really bad that was real bad yeah can you cut that out can you edit it um yeah i might yeah i might put a timestamp on there there's a lot of things we let get through but that that might not i'm gonna put a that's pretty that's pretty lame <laughs> 244 um, 19 got it all right a lot of fish in the pc <laughs> that's pretty terrible uh, yeah 
That's pretty bad. Anyway. No, fuck that. You know what? That's that's a good joke. That is not I, bad. The either. more I think about it, I bet that produced a few chuckles out there. Yeah, for sure. It took a, it maybe took a little bit, like it took for me, but yeah, maybe a few people got to. God. Anyway, let's talk about uh, New Japan destruction and and uh, Ryu Goku. We got the uh, Sumo Hall show coming up this weekend, October 9th. Uh, it is unfortunately made invented by Sonata and Evil in a lumberjack match. Um, Joe, you're going to try to get me excited about this match. Why don't you try? See what you can do. Um. <laughs> well, try your if best. You listened, if you listened to my four-hour flagship a couple of weeks ago, Rich, which I did I not. No, you were locked in on when you were in Holland, wherever you were, <laughs> Norway. But... Um. I sold myself on this match by convincing myself that evil should win. Fuck it. Just let's burn it down like Seth and just go evil Naito for Wrestle Kingdom with all the accoutrements that go along with that, which means the House of Torture, which now includes my boy Yoshinobu Kanemoro. So we can get some whiskey spitting at the dome. We can get a little bit of show's wrench. All of it, Rich. So I am in full-on let's-go-evil mode in uh, Destruction and Ryu Goku this weekend. Did I sell you on it? Uh, no. No, you didn't, because these guys are going to wrestle for 36 minutes, and no one's going to react, and people are going to lie and say, oh, no, it's actually over in the building <laughs> as we're watching, and no one makes any noise and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but whatever. Uh, elsewhere on the show, uh, junior heavyweight title, Hiromu, Mike Bailey, Leo Rush. Yeah, off. but here's the thing. Like, half of these people have the flu, and we don't know who's going to be. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we should probably put a little asterisk here that uh, everyone's sick in Japan right now with yeah. the flu, not uh, this new wave of COVID that's uh, spreading. No, it is the flu. So uh, will anybody – Leo's out, or Leo's been out, so maybe he's fine or not. Yeah, who knows? There's, like, a bunch of guys that are out, so who the fuck knows what's actually going to happen on this this particular show. So – David Finley versus Tamatonga, never open weight title match. Joe, sell me on David Finley versus Tamatonga. No. Oh, okay. Uh, never open weight six man tag team titles. You don't have to sell me on this. I'm excited about this one. Okada, Ishii, Tanahashi versus the Motor City Machine Guns and Josh Alexander. Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Josh Alexander versus Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi. Count me in. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean. I, I love that they're defending these titles against these random ass teams. They defended against uh Makabe, Tenzan, and Tiger Mask in Cork and Hall a couple of weeks ago, which was, you know, very a much better match than it sounds like on paper, too. So, yeah, I think that uh, there's a big opportunity for Josh Alexander. He's got to be fired up for this. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This isn't a very good card. Uh, it really is not. Yeah, as you, as you kind of run it down, you're like, oh, yeah, because uh, that's about the business end of the card. <laughs> Elsewhere, you got the uh, New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team Titles, Bullet Club War Dogs, Coughlin and, and Kid. Uh, versus Gorillas of Destiny, El Fantasmo, and Hikuleo. Yep. I'm not going to ask you to sum on that one. Uh, Six-man tag team title, best of seven series, match number seven, Master Wato, Shota Umino, and Yuji Nagata versus El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Ren Narita. If necessary, right? I guess. I'm sure it'll be tied at that point. <laughs> um, well, they, the, the first match was a draw, so it's like, whoa. That's a curveball, right? And then some of the other matches like didn't even make tape. <laughs> like they're just in villages in front of 400 people. 
So I don't know where we stand here. I assume it's what, like two, two and one or something. No, it can't be two, two and one. Um, there would have, there would have to be another draw in there in the mix for them to be tied coming into this, right? I think so. Let me see where we're at know, right now in this thing. Yeah, let's yeah, let's let's, let's, let's get let's get the background of this best of seven because uh, people need the people need to know. Um, all right, so you had uh, match number one was a thirty minute draw, like you said. Yeah. Match number two, strong style one, so they were up one zero. Match number three, the Wato Umino and, and Nagata team won, so we're one to one. Number four, strong style one again. So they're they're back up two to one. Then Wato and Umino and, and Nagata won number five, so two two. And number six has not happened yet. So, so six has to be a draw. It's gotta be. Because why would unless they they're go gonna draw it? the best of seven and then just <laughs> well, yeah, and, and just say, Wow, that was a fine little Can they we do that? You can't draw the seventh match because someone will win. Because someone has to go up three two in match number six. Yeah, but then I'm saying the other team could win. No, what I'm saying, no, sorry, a draw in the best of seven. As in, one right, of the teams right, right. goes up 3 2, and then the other team goes 3 3, and at the end of it, the best of seven is. They could do that, but then you have to go into the match with one team's best outcome being a, being a, being a tie. Right. Which is, I wouldn't do it psychology. that way. I would not do it that way. No, but. Yeah, it's just weird psychology. So, whenever that sixth match is head over to your online betting site and see if you can bet on a draw. I think that's the the, the bet. That's the play. IWGP Junior Tag Team Titles. Uh, the War Dogs, another War Dogs team. Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney versus uh, Kevin Knight and Kushida. Mm-hmm. So, feels like a match I've... I, I know it's, it's only happened a couple times, but it feels like I've seen that match like 12 times. But it's, uh, L.I.J., Bushi, Shingo, Naito, Yotasuji versus United Empire of Callum Newman, Great Okan, Hanare, and Jeff Cobb. Yeah. Um, this I know- is Newman's first tour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, keeping an eye on him. He was the first guy eliminated in the big elimination tag at Corkin. So he's getting his feet wet in the company. So... Uh, Sure looks like he's taking another pin in this one. But, you know, Bushi's always sticking out like a sore thumb in these situations, too. So I'll just keep an eye on Callum Newman, see how he, you know, the Absolutely. rest of these guys will be in, you know. And he's a guy we've talked about for years mode. as well that Will's had his eye on. Yeah. So, yeah, as Will's kind of either playing out the strings sure. of this 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 run or whatever, but he's a guy that you're, he's always going to try to get involved in, in, in something, get him involved uh, in spots and, and get him on shows and whatnot. So uh, you talked about this before uh, on, on a couple weeks ago on the, on the flagship, so I won't go too much, but Yota Suji and Will Ospreay, fucking love that match. And Yota Suji, dude, if they wanted to have this guy main event of Wrestle Kingdom in like the next two years, he could absolutely do it. That dude has just got it in every way. Every way. He's fucking I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. You know, he's, already, he's already 30, so you can see why he's getting pushed yeah, quicker. Yeah, absolutely. Than do it. Ones. Go ahead. Why not? Yeah. And he's blown by like every, all these other dudes, all these other young guys. It's like, yeah, that dude. You see that guy, and you're like, that's a star. <laughs> that's a dude right there. He just got, he's got it, those fucking teeth. His teeth are so big. They don't even fit in his mouth. How did his teeth get so big? You love the teeth. The teeth are amazing. They're medicine, they gotta too. Train, they got to train that twin brother of his and get him in there. He's got a twin. I didn't know he had a twin. 
Oh, you you they did the show where uh, Oh that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah, he had the, I forget about the twin. Yeah. Yeah. It was a ruse. And then yeah. they he, they he's beaten up at the twin brother. It wasn't even him. Yeah, we could get some real um The twin doesn't have the same I will say the twin's not quite there. I remember when they showed him. Oh, you didn't know. <laughs> he was pale and it was you kinda, didn't know uh, until until the real guy came out you didn't know. i remember yeah no it was tough to, it was then tough. you were comparing the real guy right right okay? right. i guess when yeah you're right when when you see him side by side you're like oh yeah that one clearly is yota yeah. and that one's not but I, I see what you're saying yeah uh for some reason that i can't fathom here in sumo hall uh tonga loa versus chase owens i don't understand what <laughs> Why? Who asked why? for this? Who asked for this? You know, Ryan Reynolds gif, but why? <laughs> right. Why? <laughs> uh, House of Torture. Yeah, this is a shit show. Goddamn. Show Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Yujiro versus just five guys, Duki, Taichi, and question mark, question mark, question mark, Joe. So, who is the new just five guy? What do you think? Yuya Uomura? Yuya Uomura would be a good one. I don't know if I slot him in just five guys, though. I, I think I got bigger hopes for Yuya Uomura than just five guys. No offense to just five guys, but um, I don't think he's a fit. I He doesn't strike me as a fit for them, but I don't know who does. That's the smart money. It's probably the, it's probably know, the right money. It probably is. It's funny. When Kanemaru turned on them and left, I was like, oh, great. I can... I dusted off my just four guys yeah, t-shirt. Finally. I was like, <laughs> you dug it to the bottom of the drawer and said, finally, yeah, just four I'm guys. Back in business. Yeah. And then, and then look at this shit. It's just four guys for now. And then on Saturday, Sunday, what the hell, uh, late Sunday, there'll be uh, just a, another a fifth guy. So, well, the flip side is we get to hear Charlton sing him the song. Yeah. That, five that is true. Guys, just five guys. Yeah. You know. With the new, the new guys debuting, right? Wyatt Russell or whatever his name is. Uh, Walker Stewart is his name. Yeah. Walker Stewart. Close is he starting? Enough. Is he Wyatt starting this Russell. weekend? Yeah, Wyatt Russell, Walker Stewart, uh, one of the same. Yeah, tomato, tomato for sure. You got it. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, yeah, did, is he starting this weekend? I didn't know that. I think so. Isn't he like twenty one? I don't think he's that young. Is he? I think he's a kid. Yeah, good for him. He's got a very booming voice. If he's if he's twenty one, but I guess I had a booming voice. Oh, you've voice heard him call matches? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a voice. He called. um, God damn, he is only 21 years old. I told you he was a kid. Wow. What did I see him in? I watched something from reality of wrestling and he was the commentator. What the hell was I watching from them? Oh, okay. He, he, he's right. done a little bit. Yeah, he's he's bounced around a, a bunch of stuff. He was doing another thing. He was in one of the other independent companies. I forget where it was. I, I'm sorry if I'm if I'm blanking on it, if it's an obvious company that everybody knows. I forget which one it was. But, yeah, I remember that. And I definitely remember Reality of Wrestling he was doing uh, before. I, what was I watching Reality of Wrestling for? I, I forget. But uh, I can't believe Man, he's 21. Jeez. They, um, they offered the job to one of the Noah guys. I don't know if they offered it to the guy or the guy that's in the other guy's pocket, <laughs> but they offered the job to. <laughs> that, I got to give all the, that is that is a Kelly Harris from Jumping Bomb Audio. That is his thing. One time, just on <laughs> without any on our on our voice wrestling slack, he came in and said, "I'm listening to Noah. Who's the giant and who's the giant in the Giants?" <laughs> Sorry, who's the giant and who's the guy that lives in his pocket? And it was just like, <laughs> it's the best. 
And once I heard that, I've never thought of them in any other way. And it's so I ridiculous. It. What else? And once you hear it, <laughs> once you hear it, it's over. So now it's over for all of you because we all told you this joke. But that's Kelly Harris, Jumping Bomb Audio, Comic Geek Kelly on Twitter if you want to follow him and give him all the credit. You can never unhear it. Who is the giant and who is the guy that lives in his pocket? My stomach hurts. Uh, it's so ridiculous, but so perfect. I think of it every single every time. Every time. Every time. It's Stu Fulton and Mark Pickering. Yeah, Stu Fulton is the giant and Mark Pickering is the one that lives in his pocket, I guess. But uh, I don't know which is which. No, Stu think- Fulton's the giant, yeah. And Pickering's in his pocket. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they uh, they did offer one of them the job. I read okay. that in the Observer. I don't know which which one. But they those, those guys have talked an awful lot of shit, so it'd be kind of tough to take the old bag. You know what I mean from those guys? But uh, they've you nah, know. nah. But they, they are in the professional wrestling business, so it's not that hard to take that bag after talking the shit. So. <sighs> did you see that master cut of of people? They somebody tried to dunk on Cody. By uh, master cutting all of his references to NXT and Wednesday Night Wars and all that sort of stuff, as if like, there you go, Cody. Like, what is it? And he gave the exact Cody response. He's like, I you, why would I be? You know, why would I do this? Like, I I, I respect. I love those guys. I had a great time <laughs> starting some yeah. revolution. Just the most perfect Cody paragraph reply, and it's like you can't dunk on this guy. He's yeah. a professional wrestler, man. He's a he's a mercenary. He doesn't care. They thought they were going to dunk on him, and he was going to be like, oh, boy, is my face red. I was making fun of NXT, and now I'm going to be on NXT. And it's like, this guy doesn't care. He's yeah, a mercenary, they man. They don't get it. They don't get it. It's like a 2023 wrestling fan that's like, oh, boy, look at this embarrassing thing. This guy put his foot in his mouth, and it's like, he doesn't care. Yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, sorry. There's a pre-show Frontier Zone 10-man tag, but uh, I don't know if that's even going to air, so the hell is that what is that i don't know what a frontier zone is i was hoping you knew i guess it's some shindy i don't know is it all right cool well who are these assholes in the match i never heard of these people <laughs> i don't know who those dudes are either yeah june masaoka kazuma sumi kengo takahiro katori and takeshi masada all right, let's throw one of these in the old cage match. So I threw Kengo in there because Kengo seems like a guy who I could find. Uh, he uh, he wrestles in Freedoms. He wrestles in Heat Up, which is still around. Yes, Heat Up is still around. Uh, Tenru Project. Um, yeah, so that's just some shindy dude. He apparently did it. Takeshi Masada is some 22-year-old from DDT. So is Kazuma Sumi. Another young, these are young DDT guys. They might be decent then. I don't watch DDT. Um, Takahiro Katori. That guy sounds good. Sounds like a good name. That sounds like a good name. Yeah, yeah. that guy rules. Um, I don't know if he rules or not, but he sounds like he rules. Takahiro Katori. Am I spelling this right? I hate, like, Cage Man. Hold on. Taka Hiro Katori. All right, let me try this again. Okay, um, I looked him up. He's uh he works for Prominence Freedoms. 
He did Anyone an that works for Freedoms, I'm out. I'm out. I'm just <laughs> he did out. an All Japan shot. Uh, a, a lot of Tenru projects. Something called Bato's Cafe. That's never good. He's probably the app. He's the drizzling shit. This guy right probably right sucks. Yeah, this guy probably stinks. So, yeah, when, he, when you're working Bato's Cafe or whatever the fuck that is, uh, not good. Not good. I'm going to. I hear I am, freedoms. I am about I'm, to subscribe to them on YouTube, though. I love subscribing to um, the worst Japanese shitties you can ever imagine. June Masaoka is a 32 year old freelancer. Oh yeah, freedoms. Forget it. Yeah, no, no thanks. So you're out on. You're um, automatically out on all freedoms. Freedoms is garbage. I, I, it's just junk. It's been junk for years. Um, freedoms six 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 burst. Oh my god. All caps burst. You're not an all caps burst guy. Could you imagine the death threats we'd get for this segment if we did it ten years ago? Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. We'd get literal death threats if we did this segment ten years ago. Thankfully, none of them listen anymore. No, I hope. Well, yeah, there, there can't be any of them that listen anymore. Half of them don't even probably watch wrestling anymore. No, no, no. They all gave up um, for sure. Oh, yeah. This is the grimiest guy of them all. June Masaoka here. Oh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Some promotion called TTT Creation. <laughs> oh, let me. I got to subscribe to him on YouTube. Total Triumph Team. Okay. Fuminari Abe worked one of their shows. Oh, I don't know. I'm looking at this guy. He looks pretty good. He's like 32, so he's obviously not good, but... Oh, the Brahmins worked that, but forget it. (laughs) You're always out on the Brahmins. Tell me more about this TTT creation promotion. What do you got? That's what I was just telling you. Okay. uh... Hold on. Let me see who owns it. This total triumph team. Are they on YouTube? Guts Isajima owns it. Okay. Well, I'm in. I'm going to subscribe to them right now. Oh, God. It's playing a video from them. I'm trying you not found to. found it? I, I found them on YouTube, but I don't know if it's like just one video. It doesn't let me click it, so I don't know. All I can do is play the video, but I can't actually. Apparently, Men's Teo is a champion in that oh. promotion. He's well, okay, now I'm in. <laughs> Fucking now I'm in, dude. He's 56 years old. Okay. Yeah, he's got to be like 60. <laughs> well, Speeds of sound work there. <laughs> sounds great. TTT Pro. I always love that when when these like shindy Japanese, their uh, Twitter account is at TTT Pro zero one two five. It's like <laughs> just <laughs> random numbers. It's like ah, we need to ah, just put zero one two five at the end. Fuck it. Yeah, they're on it's YouTube. Probably, uh, at TTT Pro zero one two five. So that's guts Ishijima's uh, fucking bank password. Uh, I have now subscribed to them on uh, YouTube, so there you go. Uh, they haven't uploaded a video in three years, so that's probably not good. Maybe I shouldn't subscribe to them, but anyway. If that's... you could get in his wallet, that's definitely his pin. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. why. I don't know what, what the purpose of this is, why they're giving these guys a match. Yeah, I don't know. Frontier, Frontier Zone. we got to figure out what Frontier Zone is, if that's a, a sponsor or something like that. But uh, Jordan Smith says Frontier Zone sounds like a <laughs> knockoff Six Flags. Like your town gets like a Frontier yeah. Zone. They're like, yeah. You're like, oh, cool, Six Flags. You're like, nah, it's, it's a Frontier Zone. You're it's like, ah, zone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just one death per summer. <laughs> right, right. On average. Right. <laughs> right rickety ass they get they get the roller coasters that uh that six flags is discontinued or retired or whatever due to safety issues and frontiers i was like yeah yeah we'll buy that thing why not yeah 
your parents tell you, listen, we're going to Frontiers on Saturday. You can invite one of your friends, but they all they all decline. Right. Nobody wants to go. Their parents their parents won't let them go. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, Frontier no, busy Saturday. <laughs> right. Uh the Shermaner says, so you guys aren't excited about the Freedoms GCW War Games match this weekend. Can you believe it? Coming up. Yeah, I can't Freedoms and GCW. We'll, we'll we'll review that next week. I'm sure of it. Just uh, just listen in. Might be towards the end of the show, but listen to the entire show. I'm sure we'll get to it uh, at some Ugh, point next God. week. So, Can you imagine watching that? Uh, no, I Ugh. I cannot because I will not be watching that. No, I hate war games matches. I hate GCW and I hate Freedom. So yeah, probably not going to go well. <laughs> That's like that seems like a bad idea for me to spend any amount of time. Uh, watching that but uh we'll talk about bound for glory next week we've run out of time uh, i'm going to those shows so we'll, we'll we'll touch on that next week we'll preview that we'll hopefully have a whole card uh for bound for glory next week but uh that's it we're out of time here uh this week on the flagship podcast uh again we mentioned at the top of flagship patreon.com patreon.com slash voice of wrestling voices of wrestling.com slash patreon patreon's got a new update really much much improved uh app a much, much improved uh, layout, and those collections are a real great way to uh, figure out everything we've done on uh, Flagship Patreon since early or, or late 2017, I should say. Uh, we have been on there doing stuff. Easier to find everything, easier to find TV reviews, easier to find retro series, easier to find written content, easier to find every single thing uh, on our Patreon uh, that can all be done. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, flagship Patreon.com. Uh, as we mentioned, also Voices of Wrestling.com for previews, reviews of all the stuff we talked about. I mentioned the Suit Williams uh, MJF piece, which is uh, spreading like wildfire. People are finding it, talking about it, discussing it. And, and like I said, it's kind of interesting that the worm has turned in a lot of ways with this MJF stuff because I'm seeing a lot of people agreeing with Suit. Uh, and, and starting to agree with us that, yeah, this stuff has jumped the shark or whatever you want to say. This stuff has gotten uh, way out of control. So a uh, great piece uh, by suit there up at Voices of Wrestling. And also everything on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe uh, to uh, the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network on your app of choice, as well as every individual show that we have on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network as well. If you want to just listen to a particular show, each one has their own feed, so you can subscribe there and support them. But we uh, we definitely recommend uh, subscribing to the entire feed as well because there's a lot of great, great shows uh, that are done every single week here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. So now we are bidding you adieu, but... Um, as is customary uh, around these times, we're doing these live shows. The Mike and JD show is uh, going live right now, or, or it is live, I should say, on the Voice of Wrestling YouTube channel. So you can close out of our video and then go and watch the Mike and JD show. Uh, they go live every Thursday night right around this time. So they're live. You can listen to them. Uh, they do a great job. One of the great new additions that we have to the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. So uh, make sure you subscribe uh, to them as well. So that is Joe. I am Rich. We will talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care. Uh, 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 uh. Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show.